courtside the virtual hardwood it's the nlsc podcast episode number 325 andrew with you once again joined once again by derek aka dp3 in the forum no oh, thanks for having me glad to be here got a uh, an interesting topic to discuss this week an in-depth dive into the nba playground series a game we've both played uh, an interesting game being the only arcade game out on the uh, on the market at the moment and uh we may actually disagree on some points this week. It may be, uh, but not that manufactured stuff that we often see on uh, so many talking heads, D. I think it's healthy disagreement. Um, I think that people can kind of look at arcade games um, in a different light. Uh, some people have, you know, they have different preferences for arcade games, whether you want them to be more sim, um, have like sim elements into them, but still remain fast paced in arcade. Or if you want to strip out all the sim elements and, and make it, you know, more, more 100% arcade. I think that there's definitely room for, for disagreement in, in different preferences. Uh, I'm just, I'm more, more sad that, you know, playgrounds, as we talked, as, as you said, is really the only viable option in the arcade space um, as far as like a newer game. We will get to that, obviously, and talk about uh, NBA Jam as well. Probably touch on that uh, NBA Street because those are two uh, two uh, series that lay dormant thanks to uh, EA's uh, <laughs> not uh, no interest in, in doing them. We will get to that as we talk about NBA Playgrounds and uh, compare and contrast without a doubt. But a couple of other things to talk about real quick, a news item, but but also we wanted to follow up on a, a comment, and we, we love getting the comments, and it's great to hear that people are tuning into the show after all these years and, uh, and enjoying them and, and what we're talking about and, and responding to them. And actually uh, had a suggestion in the, in the forum or a, of a game that uh, that I haven't played, but you have. Uh, it's by uh, Omoli, a long-time uh, NLC forum member. Shout out to you. Uh, brought up NBA Starting 5 2005, which uh, came out exclusively in Japan, uh, you've played the, the game, and it actually does have some very interesting features uh, compared to uh, NBA uh, 2K5 or ESPN NBA 2K5 and NBA Live 2005, uh, things that they weren't doing, and it's uh, it's quite an interesting game to, to look back on. Yeah, so the game is made by Konami, and you know a lot of people say that you know 2K11 is kind of the godfather of you know having classic teams that you can use. Um, you know, because that game had the Jordan challenge and you could use the teams that Jordan played against and it had a bunch of licensed players and, and whatnot. But NBA starting five, 2005 to Emoli's point, it has classic teams in the game. And I never knew this until recently. Um, it has the 61, 62, uh, excuse me, not 61, 62, the 64, 65 Celtics, the, uh, 66, 67, 76ers, the 81, 82, 76ers, the 83, 84 Boston Celtics, which is contrast from, you know, 85, 86, which is in the 2K games, um, the 86, 87 Lakers, and the, uh, and the 0102 Lake, and the 0102 Lakers. So it has cl- um, default classic teams, and the graphics are ahead of its time in a way. Uh, the, the cyber faces are really good. Uh, the player models are really good. They have licensing for about eight to nine players for each one of those teams that I just mentioned. Um, they also have all-time teams. So, like, all-decade teams and all-time teams. Uh, not all-time teams for each individual team, but, like, all-decade teams, kind of like the live series did at the time. The, uh, the decade think. all-stars, like the uh, all de- or the all-decade teams, as they call them in uh, in 2K. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um the gameplay is rough. I can see maybe why it didn't get released, um, 
you know, in the U.S. The, the gameplay... The gameplay itself isn't even as sharp as the original NBA Starting Five that came out for PlayStation 2, um, which I have that game. And the NBA Starting Five for PlayStation 2 had better mechanics. It had less bugs, etc., the original one. It's actually a really good game. I recommend somebody, you know, any listeners to try to grab it and, you know, check it out. But, yeah, I, I, NBA Starting Five 2005 is a game that probably 99.9% of the, uh, of the world doesn't really know about. But it existed, and it's it's really fun to go in and play, and like look at the gameplay isn't very good, but there's there there's stuff like it has stuff that and can like that, that is at. it is interesting that it and it goes back to something we've talked about a few times when we look back at these games that some of them even if they didn't have the gameplay or the modes that the the brand leaders like a live or two K have they've got something different like your uh, your retro filters in, in NBA Jam two thousand four or the, the All-Star Weekend in NBA uh, Pro 99, which uh, in, in the Zone uh, 99 in uh, regions other than Australia. And, and this obviously having those those all-decade teams at a time when, where I'm guessing those are the players they're able to license when Live and 2K were just focusing on the stars and having the decade All-Stars. Interesting selection of, of teams there because it's a, quite a few teams that obviously if you can't get Jordan, you can't do some of the ones from the, the most famous ones from the 80s and 90s, as, as you noted, in, in going the 83 Celtics rather than 86. But but just having them in the game is uh, it makes it uh, very uh, uh, significant for that reason alone. The most surprising team of choice was, and I think maybe it's because they couldn't get the license for Moses Malone. That's my guess. But And he's a very important player. I, you know, they didn't pull the whole, you know, 2K putting four players on the Atlanta, the 70-71 Hawks or mm. releasing the 84-85 76ers without Charles Barkley, which is pointless. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it really uh, was. Uh, they, they did that for years. Um, but what they did was they went with the 81-82 76ers because they had Dawkins. Um, they have the license for Dawkins, and they have, I think, eight or nine real players for that team. So they don't have Ivoroni. They start Bobby Jones. Um, but actually, I'm not sure Ivoroni was with them that year in 81, 82. I think he may have been with the Spurs, or maybe that was 84, 85. No, I think Ivoroni was – no, I think Ivoroni was with the 76ers in 81, 82. Anyway, so the point is is that they chose 81, 82 over 82, 83 probably because of licensing. Um, makes sense. Which, if you think – yeah, which if you think about it, that's what 2K should have done. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of having a team that nobody wanted to use because they were missing key players, what they sh- what 2K should have done was try to put in 81-82 or 82-83 because, number one, 82-83 won the title. Number two, they already had the um, license for Moses Malone. Um, and three, um, that team did those teams didn't have Barkley. So they wouldn't even have had to worry about it. It really is strange that they did that. It's something I think I've talked about in previous articles, uh, certainly been noted by many people over the years. I guess because they wanted to have the, the 84-85 bucks. They wanted to have the Terry Cummings and Sidney Moncrief and uh, and so forth. That Maybe it was just about getting a recognizable opponent is perhaps the reason. But it, do, it does, if nothing else, lead to the 85 Sixers not having Barkley. Who, and, it, and it's not like you can say, oh, well, this represents a game that he, uh, that he, that he didn't play in or or came off the bench on because he played in, in every game, I believe in his rookie season. So it's, it, it does stick out like a sore thumb that they picked uh, a team. I mean, if you're going to do that, why didn't you pick the 93 Suns for the, the Jordan challenge? If you could just pick a team without Barkley, you know, it, it, it was, it was kind of strange in that regard. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. I, I think unless you want to just play every game and pretend that Barkley's injured, 
Oh, we're we're here, Barkley's in. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's out partying again. Uh, he's, he he rubbed he rubbed just, ointment in his eye. Remember that from the '94 season? He had to miss the first couple of or '95 season, missed the first couple of games because he was at a concert and uh, rubbed his eyes and the moisturizer uh, burned his eyes. I remember her hearing something about it. So I that, do. So, I, I, so I, clearly I, that I, happened more more often on the virtual hardwood. Than yeah, he's in he's in Vegas. He's in Vegas with Rodman. Yeah, How about that, <laughs> Rodman. <Yes. laughs> um, but no, I think. Uh, I think one of the things that's always bothered me, like I've said about 2K, is kind of their inaccuracy with the classic team. So I'm not going to lie. It was really cool. Also, that game has signature shots. NBA starting 5-2005. That's a head of a uh, Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Not for every player, but it has them. Like Kobe has his and, and whatnot. Which is how but, it starts. That's how it started with Live and, and 2K as well. They didn't have every single shot. In fact, they still don't have a signature shots. They've got made up blended shots for a lot of players through the jump shot creator. Yeah. Well, it still blows my mind going back to when I revisited NBA live 06 for PlayStation um, three and I shot with Sean Marion and he had his signature because NBA live 2006 doesn't have many signature shots, but it has a few and Sean Marion stuck out. Mm. Um, but because yeah, 07 anyway. was the first year they uh, promoted it that being in the game. I think they snuck a few in, in 06 if I recall correctly. That's what they did, yeah. yeah. They fully promoted it with Live 07. Unfortunately, that game was... Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, with NBA Starting 5, if, if people want to check out the original, that's the one that I would recommend. I want to say that it came out in 2002 or 2003 with Bibby on the Kings and, and whatnot. And the shooting mechanics remind me very much of those old NBA in the Zone 2 games, uh, excuse me, NBA in the Zone 2 uh, games where um, the shots are almost kind of a little bit of a line drive, but they're really fun to shoot. Like, the shooting motions are really fun. Like, I love shooting jump shots in NBA uh, starting five. The pace is, is pretty solid, and I just think it plays like a pretty good game of basketball for its time. I, I guess so. it, it, might, it only makes sense. It's the, the Konami style, much, much, much the way that EA has the live style and, and 2K, the, the 2K style, that even when they change engines, it's, it's still the same design philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say this again. Uh, this is going to be very random to bring up. A double dribble playoff edition for Sega Genesis. If any of you, if you, any of you guys want to try a very strange game, the gameplay is really strange um, on that game. It, it's it hardly resembles basketball. To be completely honest, I don't know if I don't know if you played it or whatnot, but I recommend going back. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is we were talking about Konami, mm -hmm. but. Konami's NBA um, reboot, double dribble playoff edition. I'm not saying it's a terrible game, but it might be one of the strangest basketball games outside of Bill Lambeer combat basketball that I've ever played. <laughs> now that is a very strange game. I, I covered that one for Wayback Wednesday, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I like it about as much as I like Bill Lambeer. Actually, that that, that would be my <laughs> summation of uh, that particular title. But again, it is interesting to see that these games that, in, that in, uh, introduced various elements that the the brand leaders weren't at the time. And, and you can see the, those first inroads into that historical content, of course, uh, back in Live 96 for the, uh, Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo, or Mega, Mega Drive and Super Nintendo, depending on which uh, part of the world you're in, of course, and the uh, Mega Drive being the, uh, the PAL version of the Genesis. Um, you, you had the hidden players that you could that the, uh, that the NBA really weren't happy about, that they added those as the uh, Easter eggs that you could do in Creative Player, along with uh, missing rookies and, of course, uh, Jordan and Barkley that year as well. Uh, doesn't happen in the PC version. They, they had to take that out because again, they they did get in quite a lot of trouble. Uh, actually, a couple of the guys that I talked to about um, 
from the early days of NBA Live. You can go back and listen to those podcasts, those interviews. They, they talk about that. And yes, the NBA certainly wasn't happy with what they did there. But that was the first inroads. And then, of course, Live 2000, they had the Legends and the, and the Decade All-Stars, the, the All-Decade teams for the first time. And, and you go back and look at some of the other games that had it. Uh, Live 2004, there are five hidden locations in the, in the uh, database, the location DBF, for the Old Boston Garden, Chicago Stadium, and Great Western Forum. Uh, and uh, what was what was the old uh, the old seventy sixes? Was that the, was that the Spectrum? That was the Spectrum. It, that was the one. Yeah, it had that one and possibly another one. It had four or five hidden locations, which I'm not sure if they just put it in there for modding, which was a possibility that they just put that in there as Easter eggs. But they're in there in the location DBF file by default. Um, that yeah, that, that it's interesting that they got it in there. That it it looks like they might have been trying to do some uh, throwback teams. Oh, they had another one. Oh, the, the, the Pacers um, Arena as well, the, the old Pacers Arena, uh, Market Square Arena, I believe. And uh, th- those were in there, so it looks like they were, they were going to do some classic teams for 2004, or it might have been in the cards. Then, of course, 08, you've got the 10 hidden historical teams. You've got the leftover data in plays, DBF, but no art assets, including the 96 Bulls, 86 Celtics, uh, 87 Lakers, and a couple of other teams like that, and 95 Rockets. So there was all those inroads to do that until 2K came along and did it most uh, high-profile way and, and successfully in 2K11. But, yeah, the, the fact that there was a game that did it first and it was uh, the Konami game and everything, it's it's quite fascinating. And it's uh, one of those things I'm going to have to keep in mind as I do future uh, articles talking about this stuff because that is a very interesting trivia note. Um, you know, it's just another case of live missing opportunities. You know, EA Sports with NBA Live missing opportunities. The fact that... Um, and we don't know what goes behind the scenes and, and why they weren't able to get those classic teams in. But you, like you said, there were bones in place for it. Mm. Um, you know, now 2K looks like they're the first to do that when, if you know, us quote-unquote old heads remember when Live was king for retro. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they had the most retro content. Um, so they could have made, taken a step further with that by getting classic teams in first. Um, so close. So, but, so, I, yeah, I, to this so day, I, I maintain that, because NBA Live 08 was the first game they had the FIBA tournament and the FIBA teams, and because they only had eight of them in there, and they said, oh, more are coming next year, which 09 did have more. And I, I believe, I have not been able to confirm this with anybody who knows, and I'd love to be able to make that confirmation, but... I think it's very likely that they had the classic teams already to go license. or that's what they wanted to do. Licensing fell through and they scrambled and ended up getting the feeble license. And that was the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the way the compensation for losing out on this extra content idea. Cause if you look at the database in the roster, again, plays DBF, the leftover data for the, all those historical teams comes before all the FIBA players. So I believe they were in the game first, and then FIBA ended up being the scrambled uh, replacement and then built upon in, in future years. I, I really do believe that. Uh, 2K botched the whole FIBA idea, too. I mean, 2K, um, they, they won't even have, let 2K you know, put FIBA teams in the game anymore. And from what I read, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think a lot of the FIBA thought that 2K was disrespecting, but disrespecting them by the way they made the pl- um, teams and players. Uh, do you mean Euro- Euroleague or because 2K was Euroleague? Yeah, I mean, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant Euroleague. Yeah, um, the Euroleague teams that are in um, 2K. I think that they. Um, I think the biggest reason why they um, didn't allow 2K to continue putting them in the game is because 2K didn't put the attention to detail in them. 
It it could be. I mean, I'm I'm guessing there may not have been any interest there, and I know the Euroleague is uh, license is apparently very expensive. It's why NBA Live avoided it for years as well. The FIBA license was more feasible, but apparently Euroleague was just more than they wanted to pay. 2K ended up doing it. Actually, actually EA did do it because they had four Euroleague teams in on Fire Edition, NBA Jam on Fire Edition. So, but that was only four teams as opposed to what 16, 20 they had in in 2K. I think by the end there, I think they had, um, I think they had 20. Um, but maybe you 25 know, or something. You a combination of price and and all of that stuff. But I remember Euroleague players going on Twitter and on Facebook too, and. I don't have Facebook anymore, but I did at a time. And they were like, this is really how you make me look in this game. Oh, and, it, was, it was terrible. Oh, well, yeah. You made me, what? It was, it yeah, was terrible. terrible. Like, you know, I'm a, they, they said, oh, you have me as, you know, <laughs> you have my, me as a black guy, and I'm, I'm not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you, what are you guys doing? And they, um, they just, everything looks rushed. Almost every player is a generic created player. Um, and I think that, I'm sure players, I, listen, that's, if I was running the EuroLeague um, or running these teams or agents for these players, I would not be happy with that representation. There's too many people playing 2K that see that. Oh, you know and, what I mean? And it really was bad. Like you say, so many generic faces, basically. And, and if you're going to do something like that, you really need to go out and do it properly. Otherwise, it is, if you're going to do it so half-assed that it's <laughs> the players are getting actively, actively upset on social media. Uh, the one that I've pointed out before, Kenny brought it up to me before, you know, he's the one who first pointed it out and, uh, uh, private conversations and also on the podcast um, first pointed out when we were talking about the game between ourselves playing it uh, is Brock Modem who is an Australian uh, actually shares my birthday of October 16th so that's why I'm such a fan of Brock uh, but he, he's playing in in Europe and is in the game as part of the EuroLeague team so I, I forget which one off the top of my head but in 2K17 he's on both the his EuroLeague team and the, the Boomers because they were in the, uh, in the game as well the Australian Boomers the Olympic team and he had different faces on... His Boomer version had a different... Okay, Boomer. His Boomer version had a different face to his EuroLeague face or different hair or something, and neither of them looked anything like him. It was it was embarrassing. And I think Luka Doncic is actually in one of the games as well because he was playing for one of those teams at the time. So he, he had kind of an early cameo, I believe, in those games. Doesn't look anything like himself. Um, again, if you're not going to do it properly... It's it is not worth doing, and certainly if they got upset and the, with the combination of everything, it probably does probably did lead to them being dropped. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to say nobody misses them, but I think they were done so poorly that a, a lot of people who might have otherwise been interested in them lost interest. I want to say that it was um, yeah, and by the way, that's and that's what I'm talking about. I'm sure they've received complaints about that, and players spoke out about it and everything. I'm sure it was a factor. You know, it's funny. I think. Um, the guy that I played against in high school, Nick Kenner Medley, who was playing in EuroLeague, um, he has his face in the game, I believe. Like, if I go back and look, I'm pretty sure his, his face is in it. And it's random because all the players around him don't have a face, but he does. And it sticks and out. And it's just like, yeah. What a, yeah, it sticks out. It's like, why does he have a face? Um, I want to say that it's NBA 2K16. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I like... It just goes back to the whole, you know, put all of our attention and all of our resources into the now teams and rush the extra teams. But we're going to advertise those extra teams as content, as mm. full-blown, yeah. accurate content. And we're going to promote that extra content to make you buy the game. But truthfully, you know, we're going to kind of, we're just going to half-ass it. 
I think so that's, that's the benefit of having someone like Razor there now is I think the faces have gotten so much better this year, and uh, we know he's he shared faces that he's made, Kenny Walker and so forth, to name just one, and it's it's really helped. And it it, it you know shout out to Razor and hats off to him for getting that gig and absolutely well deserved and a, a great addition to the team. Yeah, no, I love Razor. I think um, I like his approach to it. I like his approach to modding. Um, I like that he's di- I don't know if you noticed, but he's been diving into card collecting. Mm-hmm. He's yep. trying to be a real student of of the game, and in he's because I remember when he used to mod. He was when he used to mod. He wasn't really doing classic players, right? Mm. He was doing mostly like current players. I remember his yeah. Cyberface tutorial doing Chris Humphreys, who was I think with the Celtics at the time, but. He's really, he's yeah, um, he's a pretty good player. He gets crapped on because of the Kardashian stuff, but he, um, he's a pretty good player. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's, he's dove into like, like the, the classic team players, the, um, you know, into the history of the game. He's doing card collecting now, buying old card collect, um, card boxes, etc. So that's really cool to see. And he's posting that stuff on Twitter. So if you guys don't follow Razor, I recommend following him. He's a good follow. But and he just, in like you said, he does really good work. So absolutely. And and again, uh, getting back to NBA starting five two thousand five, uh, a game worth checking out, a game worth remembering. If not for its quality, then certainly its extra features. Those are again always very interesting to look back on and see the the origin and the games that did something before the big guys, and not that Konami is a small, plucky little indie developer or anything, but as far as the NBA games, which, I mean, they they have made quite a few NBA games, Konami, over the years, but none of them have ever been as prominent or as the, none of them have been the brand leader like a like Live and 2K have been in their respective highs. So it's that is very interesting to look back on. And uh, following up on retro games that we are collecting and, and whatnot, uh, as you said, that you, you played that one recently. But uh, to answer the question about the uh, the game that I was getting last week, and I did end up buying it, actually, shortly after uh, jumping off the call with you last week because I didn't want to miss out on the really good price on it. It's uh, And I think I surprised you with it, but it's uh, NBA Basketball for the Intellivision. And it's actually the first licensed NBA, NBA licensed game, although it doesn't have any players, any real players. It's actually the first uh, game that's licensed and... Uh, much like other games on the Intellivision, with the such as their soccer game or their NFL game, they are officially licensed. But uh, at the time, of course, no likenesses, no real players. But it is actually the first, uh, technically, the first NBA game ever made. Um, side note on Intellivision: Go on to uh, YouTube at some point. I don't know if you've heard it, but um, listen to the Intellivision song that was made. There was like a an official Intellivision song, um, and they actually use that song it plays when you play uh the intellivision on the play you know the intellivision lives yep yep on fiction two it plays throughout the entire time like you're playing the games I remember. and it's very brainwashy oh it's an earworm <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's very it's 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 crazy um but yeah I'd, I'd recommend going to listen to that it's just really weird um anyway so the point is is yeah i did look up that game which I didn't guess correctly. I, I guessed Bird versus Dr. J because of the time frame. So I'll admit it, I didn't guess that one right. But I did look up that game. And what, what boggles my mind is it, it, was, it, it is pr- pretty crazy that you had separate set shot and jump shot animations. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Um, Christ, you don't, even, you don't even see that now. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah, what, what are you doing, 2K, EA? You're not, not even giving us these, all these deep controls? You're not giving us a set shot button? <laughs> Pre-order cancel. They're only 42 years behind. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, no, uh, 
the thing is, is that uh, what boggles my mind about in television is how the characters look exactly the same on any game you watch yeah. or play. Um, they if you all played have skiing, that... football, <laughs> soccer. They all have that half body, like the cut, the slit in the body. They have... Um, Night Stalker. It's just... Yeah, and then the, the the tennis game, the basketball game. The, so after we got off that call, I did a deep dive into television because I'm like, you know what? There's something cool about 70s video games, right? Yeah. Late 70s video games. And I'm looking at all these games and I'm watching the mechanics and <clears throat> and learning about them. And it's just like, we complain now? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's hard, to, yeah. It's hard yeah. to think about that. Like, it's hard not to think about, like, wait a minute. I complain about skating, but look at this television game from 1978. So, and, and the thing is, people who are younger than us would probably be looking at the games we grew up with, many of the sim games anyway. I think things like Jam hold up pretty well, but the sim games and probably thinking the same thing. Like pe- People enjoyed this. People, people thought this was good basketball, fun basketball. Yeah, of course. And you know what? That's human nature, and that's, it's, it's part of how you're brought up. Yeah, You know, it's true. part of, you know... You, you you have an appre- sometimes you have an appreciation for um, new things uh, it, when you've grown up at a time where things were less uh, sophisticated and tech was less sophisticated but at the same time if you grew up during the time when the tech was less sophisticated you can still appreciate that old tech right so I think that we have that nice balance where we can we can appreciate what we have now and talk about it realistically. And at the same time, we can go back and play the games that we played growing up and be honest about those as well and still appreciate them. I think, I think it's easy to do that. I, I agree. And I, I think we are the last generation that can really adapt to new technology, but also set a VCR. I think we're kind of in that middle, <laughs> that strange generation, because we, we grew up in the 90s. Part of it. We, that, that was when things started to boom. No, the no, with, technology uh, moved uh, so fast in the 90s. I mean, you look at it, and this is going a bit off topic, but you, I don't know if you ever really watched that 70s show at all. Well, a couple episodes. It wasn't my thing. But. The thing is with, with that show is that you could set it in that time, and, you know, well, of course, they, they crammed about eight seasons into uh, into four years of uh, of the decade, three or four years of the decade, so it's kind of, uh, that, it's like it's like MASH lasting longer than the whole Korean War. Um, just one of those things when a, a series <laughs> turns into a long runner. Um, but you could kind of have things didn't change that much in those three years. If you did that '90s show, you, it would you would really have to update the technology every couple of seasons or so because it's it would just be be so crazy the way it really exploded during the '90s that we started with eight-bit systems and then we got the 64-bit systems and disk systems and the and really getting into the polygons, the, the 3D ceiling and everything by the end of the decade and uh, the internet explosion and everything. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's why I always say that we're, we're the, the last generation that can really uh, work and work a smartphone and also set a VCR because we've kind of had to do both and <laughs> learn technology as we've, uh, as we've gone. Um, but yeah, yeah as you say, from, yeah. Oh, in the nineties, we went from having no computers to having some people having two computers to everybody having a computer. Mm, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, so. it's funny. Even as late as I think the two thousand, mid two thousands, you know, five oh six kind of uh, time, that you, you could still be one of those people like, oh, I don't own a computer, or I don't even know how to turn a computer on. Huh, huh. And the, if you did say that these days, people are like, well, you're not very employable, are you? It's it's no longer something to brag about. Back up until then, it was still kind of like, oh, I'm cool. I'm you know, only geeks use it now. It's kind of like if you don't if you don't use tech, 
uh, you're you're a dinosaur. You, you, you know, how, how are you supposed to get a job if you can't at least use Microsoft Word? You know. Same thing with uh, flip, like flip phones. If, if in o five o six in that area, I love how we talk about it in NBA terms. Yeah, yeah. the o five o six season and the Heat won the championship. Um, the you know people, if you had a flip phone, it was like all right, you have a flip phone, right? It wasn't that big of a deal. Like in o five o six, it was like okay, some people have like smartphones and then you know some people have flip phones but now if you have a flip phone you're a damn dinosaur it's like you don't have a smartphone or a hipster or you don't something, have a yeah. you don't have a full-fledged computer that can do everything in your pocket come on like you're 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 out of it so and, and to be fair back Crazy. then the, the smartphones were much more expensive as well so these these days it's they're much more accessible to everybody and well that's, that's the thing you know the idea of there's an old simpsons episode where uh uh, Lisa Kudra guest stars as, as the new uh, girl at, uh, at at the school, and they're all impressed because she's got a cell phone, a mobile phone. Uh, these days, all kids do, it seems, you know, or an iPad or something like that, uh, some kind of tablet. So it it's, it really dates the shows when you look back and see what was impressive at the time, and now it's when the technology becomes standard that, uh, you know, and, and to your point, we now carry around... I remember playing NBA Live 95 on on the family's old 486 computer, 486DX2 slash 66, the 66 megahertz uh, 486 processor. You know, I, I carry more power around in the uh, in my pocket in the, in the mobile phone in my in my in my uh, Android phone than I had you know <laughs> sitting there on the desk back in the day. It's just yeah, that's what we've dealt with, and that's why games have come as far as they have. Obviously, exactly. But the, the, yeah, and to circle back, it's just. I agree. I think we grew up. We're the exact same age. Um, I think we we grew up. We're like a month apart, a actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a month apart. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think growing up in that time and being kids during that time is. I, I think we were able to pretty much see everything technology-wise that was truly important. I'd say up till today, like as far as gaming goes. Like, yeah. I really do. I, I think we, not saying in television wasn't important, but when things really started, you know, the 8-bit to the 16-bit to the 32-bit to the 64-bit, and we saw the entire growth, basically. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I think it makes us appreciate those old games a little bit more. And, and perhaps makes it easier to go back to old games because we do remember the more primitive style and can appreciate something for what it is. It's... And I, you know, that's it's hard to sound uh, like I'm gatekeeping, like grumpy old head saying that, but it's it's only naturally if you've grown up with games that have got online connectivity and the 3D graphics that they have now, the, the realistic graphics, you know, 3D models that they have now, and it's not just blocky heads and a face kind of painted on the front, plastered on the front of a blocky head. Uh, going back to those and the old mechanics, uh, and and sometimes you know, with an old game, like I actually didn't play the Tomb Raider games growing up. I didn't play them until years later when I they were on sale on, uh, I, I believe, Green Man Gaming, and I just got the whole series for about 20 bucks, which was a pretty good steal for a pretty classic series. And, and playing the first couple of games, not only are they very blocky, but they've got very clunky movement mechanics as well. And, and that is something that, that doesn't hold up in a lot of old games, basketball or otherwise. Some of the movement and uh, controls are very contrived and clunky, and, uh, and they are hard to go back to. But the, the ones that hold up do hold up very well, and we, we talked about that last week, obviously. And, uh, I wanted to point something out that I, I found like a funny conversation between my brother and I about this. So NBA, you know, we, we talk about our issues with NBA 2K18 and how the game felt broken and, and whatnot. Uh, and my brother and I talked about this. It's like, 
let's go back to 1994 and we, you know, we buy NBA showdown, but then NBA 2K18 as it is, let's call it NBA 94 is also released. Imagine putting those games next to each other and choosing showdown. We would have been absolutely dying at the graphics in yep. the options and play that was in NBA 2K18. So let's kind of, you know, put things into perspective as far as, um, you know, we can we can critique NBA 2K18 because expectations have been raised. I agree with that. Um, but it, it, it has flaws that hurt the gameplay and whatnot. But when you go back to simpler times, and if you would put 2K18 right next to NBA Showdown 94, which game do you think people are playing? Oh, yeah. It's it's this the amazing futuristic game that somehow made its way back in the 16 video. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's right. and it, is, it is those raised standards, uh, and it's... It's it's like an NBA player. You, you, we hold the stars to higher standards because they are the best in the world and the best in the league and putting up these great numbers and, and turning in these great performances. So, of course, we're going to critique... They're going to be held to a higher standard and when they do fail to live up to those standards, it's going to be more. I mean, p- people talk about uh, critiquing LeBron for his uh, uh, 2011 finals performance and it's like, well, because there are those expectations for him, I mean, nobody's complaining about Mario Chalmers not putting up star numbers because it's, it's Mario Chalmers, not LeBron. Well, I mean, Mario Chalmers is better. Super Mario. <laughs> uh, super, super Mario. No, um, I, I, uh, I want to point out, though, because this kind of goes back to what Dizar had, um, you know, from 2K, what he had tweeted about, about saying, you know, the, the reason people, he, he made it sound like the reason people are complaining is because of raised expectations. While raised expectations do factor in, um, that doesn't mean that the game doesn't have issues that cause frustration. And that's the part he was missing on it. He didn't acknowledge the issues that NBA 2K18 had. He didn't acknowledge the frustrating skating, the um, the blow-bys, the, all of that stuff. He didn't acknowledge that. All he said was, you know, with people's expectations being raised, it's it's you know basically hard to meet what people want. Well, you would have got to meet the expectations issues. of the previous game as well. You know, if, if a game step takes a step backwards, it's it's noticeable. Yeah, exactly, and we've talked about that where the foot planning took a step backwards because of NBA Two K Seventeen had um, much again far better foot planning you know the defense while it was brick wall defense the defense was at least capable of stopping the offense in nba 2k17 on on ball defense so you didn't have the blow by issue so when you see things and the um, graphics kind of took a hit too we talked about it you know dark stadiums um clay looking player models and stuff not that the player models were perfect in 2k17 they had the skinny body model which was absolutely terrible um but yeah you, you still got to acknowledge the issues and why people are frustrated and stuff. It doesn't make them a non-issue just because you think people had higher expectations. Absolutely. And again, it, the expectations come with the, with the success and, and, your, and your reputation. Yeah, exactly. Like you had pointed out. I think that gets lost in this as well. Um, also, when you're the only viable option on the market for basketball gaming, you have to expect it. Yeah, you, when you're the only option, you're going to get all of that feedback. So. And, and I don't think you you can't, you can't point to NBA Live struggles forever as far as justifying problems in 2K because problems in 2K are not justified by live struggles. Problems in Live are not justified by 2K's issues. Yeah, exactly. I think I think part of the problem is is that 
everything gets compared now. Everything. Yeah. And the and it doesn't matter what it is. And in the height of social media, it, there's like a magnifying glass on everything, on every comparison and, and whatnot. We see it in NBA video game discussion and real NBA discussion, other sports, um, other parts of life, other current events, hot topics, stuff, stuff like that. But the thing is, is that they are not made by the same company. They have to be treated as their own entities and, and have it as their own issues. You know what I mean? Like, you can't point to 2K's skating issue and say, sure, they have a skating issue, but they do everything else better than live, right? That doesn't yeah. make the skating issue or the other issues with 2K go away. It doesn't. Those no, are no. issues. Um, but people like to do that. You've seen it. Well, go play live if you don't like 2K. That doesn't change anything. That it's, doesn't make the issues go away. It is one of those things, like the people who are unhappy about my career, they say, oh, we'll, we'll play my league with player luck, which you can do. It's it's an option. It's not ideal, though, and it, and it doesn't negate the criticisms of my career. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the, the problem is, is that people like to justify their favorite thing, right? And being a quote-unquote fanboy is a real thing. And there's a lot of people who will do anything they possibly can to stand up for um, a, a popular thing. A brand. That yeah. they like, or a brand. Um, it even is going as far as to um, skew the facts or ignore the actual issues in a game, um, etc. If you're having fun with the game, great. But if somebody points out an actual issue with the game and they supply evidence to back that up, and you still, like, get on them about complaining about that issue, just because it's not bothering you, it's bothering them, right? Because we all have our different gaming preferences. We all have our different gaming routines and, and whatnot. So an issue is still an issue. And, and we will get into that as we contrast and, and compare and discuss our uh, opinions of, of NBA Playgrounds in a little bit. And, and as for the older games, whenever I do Wayback Wednesday, and, and you, it came to mind when you... When you Brought about the brought up the idea of uh, of putting NBA 2K18 back with uh, against NBA Live 95 or NBA Showdown is that you have to put the games in perspective of the era they came out and the expectations, the technology, their immediate predecessors and games that came after ran about the same time, uh, their contemporaries and how they stack up against each other and what was possible back then, which is what something I try to do with Wayback Wednesday and when I point out whether something holds up well or doesn't hold up well or whether it's good for the time or whether it was not so good for the time. That's important to note when putting these games into historical perspective for retrospectives and, and whatnot. Um, it, it is why I like getting the old games and, and playing them, not just the ones that I played uh, growing up, but ones that I missed out on. Um, NBA uh, Basketball is a game I've played before, uh, only through when television lives, actually. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's probably going to be... the, the I'm probably going to get the footage or screenshots from the Intellivision port, the, the emulated version, because... Hooking the capture card up to the Intellivision is not going to get me a great. Uh, it's probably not going to give me a great picture, so it's, I'm probably will take the. Uh, but I, I wanted to get it so I could actually play it on the original hardware and have some fun with the original hardware. But I'm probably going to get the media at least from uh, the uh, emulated version. But uh, it is something that I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, it's been on the list for a while. I was originally just going to do the uh, PlayStation Lives version and just play it from there. But I, when I saw it for cheap on eBay, I thought, now I'm going to I'm going to add it to the collection because that's quite a cool collectible. Uh, Cheap plug for Friday 5 uh, this week, or, or last week, I suppose, since this comes out on Sunday nights, um, Australian time. Uh, the Friday 5 last week was about uh, five uh, expensive basketball games to collect. 
some extraordinary prices on some of those. I think the GameCube version of uh, NCAA uh, College Basketball 2K3 is the one that surprised me the most when I researched that article, D. Yeah, you told me about that before the call, and I'm like, you said $3,000, right? Australian, yes, about uh, two, at least 2000 US. Well, what was surprising to me about that is just because um, I had the that's, 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 that's new and mint. Uh, if it's uh, the ones that I looked up that are uh, about uh, that they're used, they're about. Let me just go back to the article. Um, about four hundred Australians, about two hundred sixty-five US, and apparently there's been ones that have been listed at twenty thousand dollars US. Um, this is insane. Yeah. Well, I said what's what's crazy to me about that, and I told you this before the call is, I'm so I'm, I've told you this. Sega Dream, Dreamcast and GameCube, I think, are the two most underrated systems ever. I love Nintendo GameCube. I think it's a great system, great games, great graphics, etc. But I had NBA 2K3 for you know for GameCube, so it's strange that NBA 2K3 was released um, and College Hoops 2K3 wasn't, and it, and it's become that valuable. Yeah, there's not many. Not many copies in circulation. It was released and was the only only one for GameCube of the uh, of the college series. And it's again, I think that that one. Some of the games that are unreleased are okay. Some of the expensive games are okay. Like College Hoops Two K Eight is well regarded. It's just that people really want to make money off that one because it is the last College Two K College Hoops Two K game. It's a discontinued series. It's a classic. So it, people don't really want to part with their copy unless they can get a lot of money for it. I still haven't found a very uh, for, well, I, I as much as I want, not not a price that I want to pay anyway. I don't want to pay a few hundred dollars for an old game like that, especially one that's not, uh, you know, unreleased, rare, collectible. So it's, it's of the games that are that were widely available, at least in the U.S., uh, because the college games couldn't come out internationally because of licensing rights. It's uh, it's the, one of the more expensive games. But uh, yeah, there are some very expensive games there. Obviously, Elite Eleven being uh, the the Holy Grail, and which is kind of funny considering his reputation and everything, but it's, uh, yeah, that that was listed at uh, thirty thousand US a few years ago when they had some uh, some sealed copies that they'd found, which is a bit more that's than I want to pay as payment. well. That's almost a down payment on a house. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those really go to your, your hardcore collectors with deep pockets, as I said. So those are five games I probably won't own. Uh, you can go back and read that article. I invite you to do so and uh, and whatnot. But uh, that was always interesting to research that, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I didn't know about that one, the GameCube version of uh, College Hoops, or College Basketball 2K3, rather. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> some, some quite high prices for uh, for that one, for the GameCube version. PS2 version and uh, and whatnot is cheap as, because it was widely produced, but GameCube is, uh, has become a collectible. I still haven't played Elite. Well, it, actually, if, uh, if people want to play the 360 version of the Elite demo... It's actually now available in our download section along with the demo of the NBA 2K10 Draft Combine. I've uploaded those and you can just download them to a USB and copy them to your Xbox 360 and yeah, it'll work. So they they are in the download section if people want to check them out. Yeah, I've been wanting to. So it'd be cool to hear other people's feedback on it. I've seen Prime um, from the NLBC giving feedback on it. Uh, Some other people like out on Twitter and whatnot. I think that what they did... I wish they had just released it, to be completely honest, because from the footage that I see, while it's not a perfect basketball game, well, from what I can understand, the controls are wonky, um, there's very good graphical elements of it. I think it's a pretty good-looking game, to be completely honest with you. I, um, I think maybe cancelling it did more damage in the long run. If they just released a bad game and then changed course by maybe going back to the Live 10 engine and for NBA Live 12 
and, and kept rebuilding on the old system, I think it would have been so much better. Um, I mean, it would have been better if they'd never done Elite 11 in the first place because of the problems. But if, if they'd released it, I think it would have been... People said, okay, that was a bad game. And they could have rebounded from that. But missing so many years, that's sort of trend that has been, as, we, as we've discussed before, uh, so incredibly damaging for the NBA Live series. Yeah, I'm not, and, and I want to talk, you, you, like you said, you know, maybe they should just release a game. It's unfortunate the game that they decided to release was Live 14. Um, but if, if you actually look at NBA Elite 11, even though it's on a diff, different console, the graphics are actually more appealing and pop out more um, than the PS3 version of NBA Live 14. So, and... I know that, you know, we say, you know, hey, when you go on to a new generation console, you know, there, there's a reason it's the new generation. It's going to have great, um, crazy graphics, all that stuff. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you, there's, you know, many games that on the previous, you know, on PS, uh, did I say PS3 for live, you know what I meant? Yeah, uh, PS4, yeah. X1, yeah, current gen. Yeah. But there's plenty of games on, uh, on uh, PS3 that I find to be more appealing graphically and sometimes better graphically than certain games on PlayStation 4. But that's just my opinion. Not, not everything's a step forward. Sometimes, you know, uh, art design, art, art direction is uh, can be an issue. Lighting, obviously. Yeah, exactly. There's a game called Castlevania Lord of Shadows, um, which is uh, for the PlayStation 3, and I have that game and I beat it, um, the second one. And... I've played PlayStation 4 games that do not match up graphically with that game. So just something to, you know, to consider when we're always saying everything new is better. Or, oh, it's on a new generation, so the graphics are better. It's not always the case. So Not at all. And actually, I do actually have that one, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, uh, Ultimate Edition on, on PC. I, I think I got that, again, on a Green Man gaming sale. That is a great game. It's on PC, and it's also on PlayStation 3. And there's another game that matches up graphically well. I don't know if you've played this one, but Dragon's Dogma, which is an RPG, that game came out on PlayStation 3 and on the PC, and I can stack that up to a few games on PlayStation 4, and, two, and Dragon's Dogma pops more. Hmm. So it's just it's just something to think about. The, the, appeal, yeah, Castle- the, the appeal, the overall aesthetic, I think is, yeah, it, it's the technology may be better, but whether it's harnessed in the right way. And as, as we look ahead to a new generation, we're, we're looking at the same situation, I would, I would think. It, it comes down to proper use of that technology. I mean, we've, we've had pretty good tech on PC and, and console for quite a while now. But again, it's, it's how it's used and what, what the art direction is and, and lighting and all kinds of ambient effects and things like that, whether it's used to its uh, full potential, the hardware and, uh, and whatnot, is what it comes down to. And, and of course, gameplay as well, gameplay mechanics. Yeah, exactly. And one more example I'll give, if people want to look at this, you know, Tennis World Tour just came out for PlayStation 4 recently over the last year, and the graphics do not match up face-wise for the players or um, texture-wise to Top Spin 4, which came out in, like, 2010 for, like, PlayStation 3 so or 2009. So, yeah, they, like you said, it's how they harness it, and it's also what their graphic direction is, like what they're going for. Yep, uh, absolutely. So, And it's not going to appeal to everybody. So those are that's our, I guess our classic talk for the the week to tip things off with the with the show. Uh, speaking of classics, we have Basketball Classics has a new update. There's my very smooth segue as I'm want to do. Uh, version one point two point one has come out on Steam. Uh, if you buy the game new, you'll get the new version. Obviously, if you already have the game, it is a patch that has come through. Uh, fixes a few issues with the AI, including uh, 
timeout, a few timeout issues that have been reported and an achievement, uh, fixing in-game credits after completing Story Mode Plus and some other fixes as well. Great to see that game continuing to go from strength to strength and uh, and having that positive reception. Uh, Josh and Dave, uh, and of course, shout out to Josh and Dave. I know they listen to the podcast. Uh, absolutely deserve the acclaim and the success that the game is having. Uh, great to see these continued updates, uh, Derek. Um, of course, you have to, you know, get them on the show again. Always fun to talk to those guys. And uh, they did, because they do listen to the show, and once again, shout out to Josh and Dave. Uh, they've heard the suggestion about the retro filters, and they're, uh, they like the idea, so maybe we'll see it. It's, uh, I'm, I'm certainly for it. I would love to have them on the show again. Um, I thought that was great. It's it's really interesting to hear their takes on stuff and, you know, basically their ideas about their own game, you know, how they feel about their own game and what they were going for, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I think that, I'll say again, I think one of the reasons why they're, such, they're having such success too with the game is because they let out the expectations of what the game was going to be and they advertised it appropriately from the get-go. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, between the name of the game, between the box art. I, I like saying box art, even though it's digital. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Cover art. Um, the, you, the, 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 just like I said, the name. Everything, the way they've advertised it um, was spot on exactly the way they should. It's, it's just, yeah, shout out to them. I think, like I said... I, other developers could um, learn something from the way that they advertised it. And it, all you got to do is go on Steam or, or, or on Twitter or whatnot and, and watch, see the feedback from people. Yeah. And you see hardly any negative feedback because people went into the game with the expectation of what it was going to be and they, um, the appropriate expectation because it was advertised appropriately. So good job. And I've been listening to the feedback doing a great job with these patches that have come through. It is still a, a very fun game, a solid game that they are looking to continue to uh, to build on. They allude to having some big news for the game in uh, in the pipeline. Um, I'm My speculation on that, and uh, Josh and Dave can probably laugh if I'm way off base here if you're, if you're listening, um, I'm thinking a console release, and that would be huge for the game to get that out on the uh, digital uh, stores on console as well. I think people will play it. They will, absolutely. I think people will, play it. I think people will buy it. Uh, I also wanted to point out uh, about the retro filter thing. Um, what a cool thing that, you know, to be able to put into, you know, as an update. It's, it's just, it's cool to see that, you know, some some developers, they stop updating, um, you know, after a few months from the game being released and, and whatnot. But the fact that you guys are still looking to add art and different things to the game, I think that's really cool. So I mean, you look at the, the asset flips as our... Uh... As our, um, as Jim Sterling has said so many times, uh, has talked about so many times on his show, the asset flips on Steam and some of the the people that are really just looking to put shovelware on Steam, just as they used to do on the the old uh, shareware discs and things back in the day. We talk about what we grew up with, uh, the shareware and demo discs and everything that would come out in the either attached to magazines or in the you know, for five dollars in the stores or whatever, or maybe even less over there with the U.S. prices with, with in the exchange rate the way it is. Um, and they're absolutely not doing that. They, they've released a game. I still say that it, when they released Basketball Classics in uh, in the uh, early access, that it was already such a great game from what I from when I first played it. That and to this point, that it's just got better and better with every update and uh, and, and so forth. That uh, yeah, I, I can never not gush about the game, whether they're on the show or not. Um, just how impressive it is and this really fun throwback. The, the game I never knew I wanted and yet have come to really really love and enjoy. Uh, playing 
it's uh, it's just impressive that yes, that, that it was even in early access they did such a great job, and that they're not resting on their laurels. That they are actually improving the game as much, um, and looking for these new ideas, and listening to these ideas, and being passionate basketball fans and gamers themselves, and listening to people like them, um, and and so forth, and and all the ideas that people brought to the table as well. It's really great to see it embraced by people. I, I think. And well, I think, uh, uh, yeah. well, you know, the, the thing is, is that. I'm going to be, you can bleep this out, but, you know, a lot of, what a lot of developers do when they release games in early access is they throw shit against the wall and they hope it sticks. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. get games that are released in early access that basically are unfinished. They only have a couple levels sometimes depending on the type of game it is. There's tons of bugs. There's people report, you know, every now and then they'll get support from people who see the quote-unquote potential. But those those games get killed pretty fast sometimes by negative reviews and negative reception because they rushed a release in early access. Definitely. So the opposite of what Josh and Dave did, they put a game in early access where the gameplay was still set, was already sound, and it still and it had good bones, and people could see that. So, but yeah, you're right. A lot of people throw crap against the wall on on um, Steam to just get a game out there. And they hope it sticks, and sometimes it doesn't. So, your oh, asset flips and uh, <laughs> such uh, broken promises. But no, it's Basketball Classics is definitely worth checking out. For uh, I believe it's about fifteen dollars Australian. So what, about ten dollars US? I believe at the moment in Steam. Uh, I think it's I think it's nine ninety nine. Yeah. I'd have to double-check, but yeah, I think it is. Definitely worth for that price. Uh, you can talk about that in the forum, of course. And uh, yeah, you're going to have to reach out to, uh, to Josh and Dave about uh, uh, appearing on the show again. You can go back to episode 262 and 306 to listen to their previous interviews. And of course, check them out on uh, Twitter at NAMO underscore GAMO, N-A-M-O underscore G-A-M-O. So I guess that brings us to our feature discussion uh, of sorts. It's uh, the way we do the show these days, uh, something that I wanted to talk about because I was looking back through some old topics in the forum about uh, NBA Playgrounds. And it's uh, and Playgrounds is a game worth talking about because it, it is, as we said at the top of the show, it is the only arcade game, arcade basketball game on the market right now. NBA Jam and Street lie dormant with EA not doing anything with those licenses, unfortunately. And we'll, again, touch on that as we as we go, I'm sure. Uh, it's got its, its strong points, and I, I don't want to say it's a bad game. Uh, I think you may feel better, differently about it than I do, a bit more positive about it. Um, but it's it's interesting because it's there's been two games so far. They have their strong points, they have their drawbacks, and I really thought that it might turn into a new annual series, especially when it came out of the 2K umbrella. Uh, they haven't done anything. They're not really releasing a lot of updates. And if I look at the official Facebook group for it, there's not as much uh, activity because it was really bustling during the day. And it's a game that I think is, for all its potential, it's kind of been wasted. And I look at it, and I'll get into it as we go, but I do think that coming under the 2K umbrella has been great for the game and bad for it as well. But I've talked about it a lot on previous shows and given my impressions. So I'd like to throw the mic over to you, Derek, and and because I don't think I've really got your in-depth impressions on the show before about what you think of Playgrounds 1 and 2, or NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 as the awkward title that it is which I still think is one of the most awkward titles this, to this day. But uh, what's in the name? You know, a rose by any of the name, as, they, uh, as Shakespeare once wrote. So uh, with, that, with that being said, uh, yeah, what, what are your impressions of uh, the first two Playgrounds, or the only two Playgrounds games uh, to date? So I, I, I have regrets about, I can't, I've never played the original NBA Playgrounds. And the reason I haven't played the original NBA Playgrounds is because by the time I wanted to buy it, it got taken off Steam. 
Oh, you never got it. You never got so, it. You never got it at all. Never got that one, but mm. I can do full commentary on Playgrounds too. So there you go. <laughs> um, which is the most recent game and has similar mechanics. Um, from what I can tell to NBA, the original NBA playgrounds from watching side-by-side video of the two games. Yep. So I have more of a love relationship with playgrounds than a hate relationship with playgrounds, um, playgrounds too. I think they, the difference in opinion from, because I've heard your takes on it that we have, and I think some listeners will be able to kind of see where I'm coming from. It is an arcade title. I mean, you, you pull up NBA Playgrounds 2, and right under NBA Playgrounds 2, it says arcade. Like, we, we all know what NBA Playgrounds 2 is. You have high-flying dunks and power-ups and, and all of this stuff. But I do like some of the sim elements that they put in the game. I like, um, I like having a shot meter, um, a dunk meter. A layup, uh, you know, a layup meter. I like having the challenge in the thinking part in the arcade game, and that doesn't resonate a lot with people. A lot of the complaints that I've seen are the fact that you know, why did you put a dunk meter where you have to like, you know, hit a button at the exact right time in order to complete a dunk or it misses, right? Um, you're you you can't you, you know. There's people that that don't like those aspects in their games for me and my brother, my brother and I, when we play this, which is who I play this with, I play, you know, local co-op play with him and we play seasons and whatnot. We love that challenge and it makes playing the computer um, more challenging because we have to not only focus on what they're doing, but when we're shooting and when we're going for dunks and, and, and whatnot, we need to be able to time them. And, and we feel more like, how do I say, experts of the game when we when we play well like that does that make sense like it's rewarding like feel, rewarding stick skills to certain um a certain extent exactly. yes yeah. it's, it, it's that you're exactly. uh, yeah I, I see what you're saying that, it, that it's not just pressing a button and letting it play out to to a certain extent you actually do have to master there's 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 something to master there's uh, mechanics that you have to uh, be able to to get a handle of to actually succeed yeah i, I get that yeah, yeah, so rewarding, right? It feels very rewarding for us to be able to do that. We also like the challenge of the computer. However, I do want to point out before I move on with NBA Playgrounds 2, NBA Jam for PlayStation 3, um, which is a phenomenal game, which doesn't have the time stuff, is hard as hell on the hardest level. That that game is so difficult. My brother and I were getting our asses kicked. Oh, if, if, you, un- if you unlock the Jam Bots, the additional challenge, they are brutal because they start throwing back the, the real AI records the strategies that you've been using and starts throwing it back in your face, and you, you realize how cheesily you've been playing and how hard it is to uh, to overcome because you really have to. Well, that's what yeah. we had. What happened? We, we we played our first games on like normal because we didn't change the difficulty level or whatever the normal level is, yeah. and we were like smoking the computer and we're like, oh man, we're good. Like <laughs> Jesus, we picked this up fast, and then we put it on the hardest level, and I want to say we lost by forty. It was something ridiculous. Like we just got our asses kicked, and I think our butts kicked. I, I think the <laughs> it's rage inducing. So yeah. there is still, there is still, uh, yeah. There's still a. Um, it was an eye opener. There's still a challenge, obviously, with NBA Jam, but I like all the little extra stuff that they put in NBA Playgrounds too. That made you think, and it and it made it, it made you it made it pretty um, pretty rewarding. 
And uh, the other thing about NBA playgrounds too is some people sour a bit on the player models uh, on the graphic direction. Um, while I don't like it as much as the approach of NBA Jam, where they basically like used real faces, and it looks really cool on NBA Jam for PlayStation Three, I do kind of like that they tried something different with playgrounds too, with the cartoony look of the players. Oh, yeah, an action They're not figure. using real faces. Yeah, like it's figures. like an action figure type. Yeah, um, and the you know the big heads and um, not that that hasn't been done before. We know that's been done many times in the past. You know the larger sized heads and the little bot player bodies and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that they included all of the, that retro content. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the retro content that you can use in offline. You know you can unlock players and you have all these cool looking jerseys. Um, and you know even players who had short stints, like let's say Bill, you know Bill Walton's stint on the Clippers. Why isn't anything to grab brag about? But you can play against Bill Bill Walton, I think, on the Clippers. Rockets Pippen in that game, or use him. Yeah, Rockets Pippen exactly, and stuff like that. So the attention to detail in regards to you know. The, the jerseys, the classic players, um, the look of the classic players, even in that action figure format and all of that stuff, really adds to the authenticity of the, of, of the game, and I enjoy that. The other thing that I think flies under the radar that I really like, and I'm not sure if you um, tapped into this at all with Playgrounds 2, is that they have signature moves. Yes, so Harden yes. has his step back. Yes, you know, Harden has his step back. And you have, you know, certain players that have signature fadeaways or you have signature dunks or, you know, off the glass to yourself dunk um, and stuff like that. And that adds an element to the game that is it's authenticity in an arcade game that I really like. Um, my brother's favorite player in the NBA right now is Russell Westbrook. So one of our favorite things to do is, and I, you know, I'm not a James Harden fan. I absolutely. I, oh yeah. I, I, I'm aware. <laughs> basketball. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we jump into seasons and he uses Russell Westbrook and I use James Harden on the thunder. And one of my favorite things to do is create separation with Harden's traveling setback. And <laughs> yeah, and I do it, and it, it helps us win. And when I can execute it and time it appropriately, it feels great. So it's nice for me. The, the, that's where Playgrounds got things right. Um, that the the art aspect, I actually think that what they tried was a good idea. I like the the players, the, the you know the the jerseys, the the way the players look, etc. I like the 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 sim elements for the most part that they put into the game. I. I think the dribbling could be tuned a little bit. I like the signature authenticity, and I like the challenge of the computer. The computer is very challenging. And I also like the power-up system that they have, you know, the ice bucket for the basket, mm -hmm. um, all of that stuff. Where I think Playgrounds 2 might have dropped the ball a bit, gameplay-wise, is I think the pace sometimes is, I want to say... It doesn't feel arcade pace sometimes. It's not as fast as it could be or should be. Um, and that's really, uh, if I'm going to be completely honest, in an arcade game, that's really the only problem that I have between the lines gameplay-wise. Okay. Otherwise, I think it's pretty functional. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I don't dislike the concepts for the most part. Uh, for me, it's always been the execution and, and the quality, the, the balance... Um, and just the execution of some of the ideas. And 
I was, I was looking back at the our original playgrounds uh, topic for the first one, and it's funny. And, and I made the comparison. It's not apt because you got a lot more heat when you pointed out valid criticisms about 2K18. So I don't want to compare too much. Um, but people were pushing back and saying to me and saying, you know, it, it's it you can't compare it to Jam. It's you can't compare it, you know for, for the price or whatever. I want to say that on Fire Edition was the same price as uh, the, the first Playgrounds game. So. Uh, and and yes, it was the first game by Saber Interactive and everything, and, and certainly you can take all that into account. But because because the arcade basketball has been done so well by Jam, by Street, you know, you brought it up earlier in, in the show. Comparisons are inevitable when you're talking about the same genre, and they did set the bar very high. And perhaps my expectations were very high as a result. My my issue, I think, with with the Playgrounds gameplay. Some of it's mechanical. I think blocking it feels very predetermined and stiff, um, and rebounding is is a problem. So even as, even as of the second game, it still feels a bit clunky there. It it works works a bit better now that they've got the indicator on the court. Works a little bit better so you can at least see why your positioning was off. Sometimes in arcade games, the positioning <laughs> with it with the camera angle doesn't look right, or it's it's hard to see. You think, oh well, I definitely blocked that. So some of it feels a bit stiff. Um, the the shot meter. When, when Playgrounds was first released, the first game, it had no shot meter. That was something that was patched in. So and and so many layups missed, and it really felt like too many shots were missing and timing was too difficult. Um, in the in the first game, in the second game, I still feel like too many dunks miss. Uh, for a game that is supposed to be about these ridiculous high flying dunks, I do think too many miss. Uh, I think too many three pointers are a too low percentage. And but the thing that really gets me about the ratings, and there's two parts to this, but even when ratings are upgraded, it feels like lower ratings are absolutely useless to the point of there's no point of any players being rated that low, and there's no point in using players if they are rated that low in a certain area. That was and that was a big thing with the first game that it felt like any three point rating under six, you might might as well not even try. And you had a lot of players who were decent three point shooters being rated about five or six in threes, and and they just were useless. And that is something I think the NBA Jam would did very well back in the day that. It was a little bit more lenient on the lower ratings. Certainly higher ratings, we could just go off with the higher ratings from three-point range or, or dunking ratings. But I feel like the ratings just aren't as powerful at the lower end of the scale with uh, playgrounds. The other thing is the grinding that you have to do to unlock moves in the first one or upgrade all the ratings in the second because you've got so many players. As you said, you've got the multiple versions of players on different teams and you have to upgrade them all for them to be useful for me, it's it's just a lot of grinding that reminds me too much of two uh, K grinding in NBA two K, and that's that's something that has bothered me. I, I I think the idea is okay, but I think it's too much of a grind. I want to bring up a couple things that related to what you said. Number one, I I would prefer shot timing with the meter off. Right. Yeah. So that's the way I play NBA two K. So if that challenge was still there, you know how you said like. You can turn it off. The low percent. You, you can that, turn it off. That bar, you can? You can, oh, yeah. See, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Wow, see, I should have dove into the settings. Um, so, yeah, I would prefer that. But to go back to your point, I agree that three point per, the three-point percentage thing is, is, or like shooting percentage is too low sometimes. It's crazy, the jump. So you'll shoot a shot right inside the three-point line on NBA Playgrounds 2, and it will be like 85% chance to go in. But if you step one foot back into three-point range, it's 
right? Yeah. So there's some inconsistencies there. Um, I also think that with the way they do the shooting from three-point line, even though we like the challenge, when you're shooting a three with, say, Paul George, and let's say he shot 35% or 36% from three, and you get it into that little area, that, that little thing on the shot meter to make it, you know, have a chance to um, go in, do we really think that if you're wide open and you're shooting a three that it should be 35% chance? In an arcade game. That's that's what gets me is that it's kind of this mix right, of nice arcade. Like, it feels like there's too much sim where it should be a bit more arcade-y. And, but I'm not saying the sim elements shouldn't be there because it is a nice twist on the idea that it's a little bit balanced that way. But it, I, I, I think it's it just needs to be a bit more... A little less realism in the, in the percentages, especially when you're wide open like that. And the idea that if you don't get it in that that sliver of uh, of timing, that you get it in that sliver of timing and it's, again, like 33%. If you get it outside of it, it's 0%, which is... I, again, that's for me, that's too sim in an arcade game. That's what I don't like about it. Right, so basically what happens is if you don't release it exactly right, you don't you have a zero percent chance of hitting anything yeah when in real when in real life i mean we're talking about arcade but we also are talking about basketball we're talking about shooting um and we're also talking about an arcade game um but you know when you let's say you shoot it a little bit off or on your way down a little bit you still have a chance to hit it but you have a zero percent chance in playgrounds too Mm. if you do that so i agree no I, i i like i said we like that challenge and we don't take that game too seriously as far as like any sim aspects just because it's an arcade game. So we take it kind of like, like at what it is. But I agree that the shooting can be tuned to, to, to make more sense. Um, if you're wide open, maybe that percentage should go up to 50% if you get it, you know, yep. within that. And maybe the bar should be a little bit bigger for you to be able to fit the, you know, when it, uh, you know, I don't know how to describe it, the the line that, like when you go to shoot the shot meter where you the have release to like, window, the, the good, the perfect release window. window thank yeah. you. Yeah. The release window should be possibly a little bit wider and whatnot. So I agree with that. I also think that the release window for dunks is kind of small. Yes. They, really they should be really it. high percentage, especially in a game that is very jam like in that respect that it's, it's, it sucks to do this really high flying dunk and dunks would miss in jam. Don't get me wrong, but it was kind of like a mechanic that happened when you're too far ahead or it would happen when the play had been in, in Jam Tournament Edition when you, your play was more injured, being knocked down a few times, and you start to lose performance, lose speed, and and, and abilities ratings would drop artificially because of the uh, the injury uh, injuries piling up as you get knocked to the floor a lot. So it's something like that I'd prefer. It, it just feels like it's it doesn't have that right balance, not quite right for me. Um, again, I think Jam well, did Jam did such a great job, well, I think, of being balanced, and and Street did as well that I think it's set the bar very high and, and that in some ways I think I think Playgrounds really needed to look at what they'd done and why they were successful. And you need to do something new, and we'll get into that in a sec, because like, like you said, they've got some really good power-up ideas. And the, the I, I really like the idea that you, to get those power-ups, you need to avoid shoving, because that adds a new strategic element. You know, Do you go for the shove and get the steal, or do you play clean and get the, and get the power-up? That is something I like. Whether it's necessarily balanced the way it should be, and whether the, you know some of the power-ups are worth it or not, uh, that's that's another issue. But I do like that approach, and I think that that's one of those interesting hooks that I think Playgrounds did. That it's not just copying jams on fire; it is actually adding a new element with those power-ups. Uh, so I do like that, and I do like the idea of having the 
risk reward and different benefits of playing clean or or shoving i was about to bring up the the, the shoving uh, one thing where we disagree before i get into that one thing where we disagree is you talked about rebounding and blocking feeling clunky mm-hmm. one of my brother and i our favorite parts of the game is the defense Okay. We absolutely love going for blocks. We feel like the jumping off the floor makes sense. Um, we believe that it's um, it's reactive. Um, we're playing on the PC. I don't know if that makes a difference. Um, we like um, the the challenge of timing rebounds, um, but we think it's um, the rebounding makes sense. Um, we love going up and getting multiple blocks on a possession, um, and we like the ability to do quick second jumps and whatnot. So that is, in playing defense on the ball, too, we love the fact that steals matter, the steal ratings matter, and stuff like that. And what happens is, on these games, is my brother, who's using Westbrook, and I'm in the back with Harden, let's say we're using those teams, I'm the one, because I'm bigger, I'm the one who's going to be going for blocks and rebounds, and he's up front, you know, harassing the ball handler and hitting the steal button. But like you say, don't shove. Because if you shove, you're going to miss out on your power up. The lottery pick, and if yeah. Your power up is, yeah, and if your your lottery pick, and if your lottery pick is the sh- the um, the one where every dunk is four points for sixty seconds, you just screwed yourself out of a win. Mm. So um, I think that I-, I love the way they did the power ups, and we actually really enjoy playing defense. My my thing with the defense, it sometimes on blocks it feels like it's not reactive and it might more so in the first version more more so in the first nba playgrounds the other thing was they 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 changed the tuning on how much uh how much fatigue you lost how much stamina you lost i should say when you went for a steal and there was a thing in the first one where the, the cpu in tournament mode at least was very cheesy in that any time you pretty much any time you went for a steal they did an elusive move no matter how much sprint they had left so the CPU, you'd you'd have basically one swipe at the steal, and they could just, yeah, it was very unbalanced in the first game. It is better in the second. There are times I've just felt like it's not as reactive as as I'd like, and I I've, could swear I've timed it properly based on previous successful block attempts, and it's my play has just not jumped enough, or it's passed through the hands or something. That's for me, it just feels a bit clunky, and it, it could just be, again, a preference for jam because I. And it's not totally different to Jam. For, for me, it just doesn't feel as polished as, as NBA Jam, which is perhaps too high of a bar. But yeah, it, it's, it's just I, I've always felt a little bit let down in that regard. Well, there's one thing about the Turbo. So there's two, there's two things that I wish that they, if they ever come out with a play, Playground 3, who knows at this point. There's two things that I'd like to see addressed that I think would really help the, the gameplay. One, Turbo still runs out too fast. I know we're playing an arcade game, but if you do two dribble moves, you're out of turbo and you can't go for a dunk. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. That's you know a what I mean? big, big issue with me. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I, I should be able to, basically the way it, it works right now is let's say I'm, I'm getting pressured full court. Let's say I do one dribble move to get around my guy. There's a chance that I can't go for a dunk on the other end because I'm out of stamina at that point. And I think that's, that's something that they need to tune. The turbo needs to make more sense. Um, you need to have a bigger window of where you can use it, etc. And dribbling moves shouldn't take up so much of your stamina. See, if you look at the, sim, you look at the sim games, you can make more moves than that and still dunk. Way more. Yeah, even with 2K19, where they, where they tried to limit that, um, you can still do way more. You know, the other part of it would be the fact that dribbling moves doesn't feel the way it should. 
you can't stand in, from a standstill spot. You can't, you know, go into like an ISO motion. Most of the time when you're doing dribble moves on NBA playgrounds too, it's like you're, you're running forward. You know what I mean? To do spins Can't and wheels. stuff like that. And yeah. then try to, exactly. And then when you try to do a dribble move, like it moves you forward. So the two things that I think that I would touch up the most as far as like the offensive side of the ball, outside of obviously the shot meter um, thing that we were talking about, about like opening up that window, I think would be, you know, fine tune the turbo so it makes more sense. And so dribbling moves doesn't take so much of it and make it so the dribbling is more fun. Make it so, you know what, maybe you have similar right stick dribbling, even basic crossover behind the back and stuff like that, that you can execute from a standstill that doesn't make you fly forward. You know yeah. what I mean? So you can actually size up your guy. It, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, con- well, there is no control over the, the, dribble, the exact dribble moves you do. There, there's some stick movements that will perform certain flips and, and elusive moves, but basically it's kind of, you, you press it and hope that the right animation is triggered, for, which is kind of like the very outdated uh, version of it. Well, Street Volume 2 is a better... Like, I want to play because you brought up Street. Street Volume 2 is a better game. Yeah. Right? Let's be honest. Let's, Street Volume 2 is a better arcade basketball game. It has um, dribbling that makes more sense. Um, it has... Um, I think Street Volume 2 is definitely more your style of arcade. Um, and I like, even and for me, I'd say also, I, I actually like street volume two better as well than playgrounds two. the pacing of street volume two, the action, the sound effects, um, the, even the graphical approach, all of that stuff with street volume two is still amazing to this day. It is. Yeah. And uh, OFE on fire edition is probably my favorite. That and jam tournament edition are my two top two arcade games. Cause I'm, I'm more jam than street, which is not a, a, a indictment of street is just a personal preference um but but it does come down to i do prefer the, those styles that it's uh and but i do see the the, the benefits of, of playgrounds that it's it's hard because again it's personal preference and they're doing something's different uh, but i also think there's value in that and I, like i say with what they've done with the power-ups and, and some of the approach is is good it, it just i feel like it's some of it's not executed as well as it possibly could be and that's I think the different ideas stand out more when they're not done as as well as they possibly could be. Uh, they seem like worse ideas than they actually are. That they they do have a lot of merit. I'd enjoy them more if I, if they were done a little bit better. If there's a bit more balance there. If the pace was better. If the dribbling moves were different. Because um, of course you do have the, those uh, uh, the signature moves. And since you got Jordan in the game now, you got Michael Jordan so he, with the free throw dunk and the um, and the jump man dunk and everything that he does. And and Pippen's got a signature dunk, Shaq and everything and. Hakeem with the uh, sorry, not Hakeem Kareem rather with the Skyhook. So you've got that kind of stuff. So there's all these really good mechanics there. It's just I feel like it hasn't come together as well with some of the with some of the tuning and some of the balance that I, I think could be better. I I I, I can agree. I, I think what you remember we talk about you know do the positives outweigh the negatives, right? Yeah. And when my brother and I when my brother and I play it, we get more fun out of it than frustration. In fact, I want to say that probably the fun out of it that we get is like ninety nine percent. So I, I will we don't say, get playing with my cousin a couple of times when my cousin's come to visit because um, he's a chef these days, so it's hard for him to get time off to do. And of course, at the moment pandemic, it's hard to you know we're all isolating, whatever. Um, it's it is a lot more fun to play either with or against someone, either either co op against the CPU or other players or or against each other head to head than it is single player against the CPU. Single player against the CPU is kind of miserable, especially in the first game when the AI was just really, really bad. 
uh, they've improved it in the second game, but I do think it has more value as uh, playing either with or against somebody. And I think that's why you might have a bit more of a positive impressions of the game because you've been doing more of that than I have. It makes a huge difference. I want people, listeners, to realize that when I'm playing these games, the majority of the time it's with somebody else locally. And playing with somebody else locally can sometimes bring out the best in a game. It's a completely different experience than playing single player. You play against the computer differently. You can do different things on offense together. There's more immersion as far as, you know, there's more immersion and focus most of the time when you're playing with somebody else um, because you're also, what you're doing is for the overall um, success of the person you're playing with, too. You you, you Um, got someone to high five. Nothing else. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Something cool. Exactly. When something cool happens, you got someone and to somebody, share that with. And somebody else to impress too, right? Mm. You're not impressing artificial intelligence. You're, yeah. you know, but playing with somebody else and you pull off something cool, it's like, yeah, did you see that? <laughs> AI you know doesn't I mean? give a shit. Yeah, yeah, AI does not give a shit. That's what that's what this uh, the show should be called. <laughs> yeah, let's see. <laughs> the AI does not give a shit. Um, no, but yeah, I think that makes a big difference. You know, I talk about. NBA 2K17 a lot, right? And, you know, I we had the mods that we created, and I had a lot of gameplay videos I uploaded. We still play it today. We still have video game weekends on NBA 2K17. However, the, the reason why playing against each other on NBA 2K17 is so fun is because we talk about things where it lapses, where, like, um, help defense and pick-and-roll defense isn't exactly the sharpest on 2K17. When we're playing against each other locally, we can cover up for most of that stuff on NBA 2K17. But if I'm playing against the computer and I want to run pick and rolls or try to run around the computer on the fast break, you you damn well bet that I can do that a large portion of the time. So there's a huge difference when you're playing with or against somebody when you're evaluating a game. It's, it's much like with 2K, when you're playing different modes, you have different impressions of the game. If you're playing franchise it's it's very different to if you're playing my career because you're, you're focusing on different elements different mechanics of being player locked uh, different parts of the experience as far as having control over roster moves and whatnot so it, it really does change up the experience and, and even, even just so something is being played player locked or playing local or playing online against people really gives a different impression of the game and, and how it's how different parts of the game are are uh, how well they're being designed for as far as multiplayer and single player, whatever. So it definitely does make a difference. And I think you've had the better experience there because uh, I, I did play with my cousin, enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, one thing that I did when my cousin came down to visit, uh, it was last year when we did it, would, would, have been, would have been last year, yes, is that I, I paid for the roster unlock because I hadn't unlocked a lot of the players yet. We wanted to play with, with Sean Kemp and uh, Michael Jordan, our respective favorites from when we were growing up in the in the 90s. And the the my team like card system is it has merit, especially since those those packs can be earned without buying them, uh, and, uh, and and fairly frequently. And of course, there's plays to unlock in season mode and everything. Uh, I do feel they don't unlock as as well as uh, or as frequently as, as they should. I do miss that old school approach of NBA Jam where you would have fairly complete rosters out of the box and you would unlock extra players and secret players and special players and historical players in, in later versions such as on Fire Edition and the uh, 2010 reboot. Uh, that is something I miss. Obviously that is a a change in philosophy as far as gaming is, is these days. Um, again, I feel like the having to unlock the whole roster and upgrade every single player to make them as good as they possibly can be is 
I, I feel a bit of overkill the way they've done it. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. Again, you're playing a lot more and you've got uh, two users doing it, so that might uh, it might unlock a bit quicker for you than it does for me playing single player. Uh, but that is one thing that I think is, is better. And I, okay, okay idea in theory, but in practice, I feel it's just too grindy. And, and, and the fact that I've been grinding so much in my career in 2K has probably turned me off <laughs> grindy mechanics, so it's probably a personal thing as well. But that is something I miss about that old school NBA Jam or even NBA Street where you've got a fair amount of players unlocked out of the box and then it's about unlocking the special players and the historical players rather than the whole roster. In my opinion, duplicates have to go. The duplicates in packs. There's nothing more frustrating more frustrating than playing an entire season where we but we, we get done an entire season, which is something like 14 games and play playoffs. And then we go in and we try to buy a pack and like two or three players in that pack are duplicates. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, the duplicate system is what's the most frustrating. Um, if you could just when, unlock players by un, by playing through all the games and not get those duplicates, I think that would be much better. I, I think, you, the, again, it's kind of like my team. Uh, in, in 2K20, you get the uh, GOAT level, I think, is about 27,000 sorry, 2,700 cards. But bef- long before you've unlocked anywhere close to 1,000 cards, you're getting a lot of duplicates. And it, it is, especially since there is microtransactions in Playgrounds now, yeah, it's, it's something I don't like. That is a, a 2K thing that they've adopted. And I, yeah, I, was, I, I saw it coming and I was disappointed to see it. I see, uh, I see what they're trying to do. So, like, to my left, I have a 9192 box, unopened box of Skybox cards nba cards if i open that skybox nba card box how many duplicates do you think i'm going to have a lot normally what happens is is when you open these these boxes in real life when you open your card packs you get duplicates that's sure. just the way it is we used to have a separate binder when i was growing up we used to have our regular binder and then we had the duplicate binder for so the ones that similar, were yeah yeah yeah, we have the duplicate binder. So I see what they're saying. Like, if you're opening card packs in real life, um, you you have a chance of getting duplicates. I understand. It's but the it's different odds. In video it's the odds. Yeah, it's the odds, right? Um, it's different in a video game because of the amount of time you have to put in to get those packs, right? Um, it, 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 it makes a big difference. Like I said, in order to get one of the top packs, my brother and I basically have to play through an entire season. To play through an entire season, it's hours, right? And then by the time we're done that entire season and we go in to get a pack, and if we find out that there's multiple duplicates in the pack and we didn't get a player that we wanted, all those hours feel like a waste outside of upgrading the current players that we had because we were using them. So um, that's just my opinion on it. I think that I'd love if they did away with duplicates. I I see what you did. Like, I, I... but I think I said this on a prior podcast, one of the first ones we ever did together. It's crazy how many shows we've already done. Um, time the, flies. The time flies. I can't even believe it. We've been doing shows now for over half a year, or almost half a year. The um, my, my thing with that is one of the challenges we like is to unlock players, either via packs or, or earning the amount of currency we need in order to, you know, get that player straight up, like we did with Russell Westbrook um, for the Thunder, for my brother. So I am, I'm not saying you cheated. By the way, I see exactly why you did that. Like, and that's why it's an option in the game. It's, it's, it's good that it's an option in the game. I, my brother and I would feel guilty. Oh, I did, I, I, if, if nothing else, I didn't like having to spend, out of principle, spending money on it to unlock them. But and oh, I, of course. If, if, my, if I'd already unlocked a bunch of those players um, 
when my cousin was coming down to play and, and if we had more time and if, if it was back in the day when he'd come down for a week in the school holidays and we'd just spend days playing games and going out and shooting around in the backyard and going to get Maccas and everything else and you know as as we did as teenagers um if we had that kind of time then we would but when we're only seeing each other catching up for a you know a couple of days every few months uh it was really more of a and i hadn't unlocked enough players yet i kind of bit the ball and said okay we're going to be spending we're going to be staying up all night and playing this because we've both got tomorrow off work so we're going to be up late playing it uh let's play with all the players we want to play with so i bit the bullet and uh, paid for the dlc the unlocked dlc which is not the way i wanted to do it but it's kind of the way it felt like a necessary evil just to get the uh for us to be able to enjoy the game with the players we wanted to play with and that's uh and they've kind of got you over a barrel on that one with the way it unlocks and all the odds and everything but no i mean i i'm, I'm not happy about it but i, I did it um at, at kind of out of necessity in that situation like normally for for my team in 2k nba 2k i don't buy when i buy packs it's through vc that i've uh, been grinding up in my career i don't spend real money on uh, on 2k um packs uh if there was an unlock every single card DLC, I might consider that <laughs> certainly. But there isn't. It's it's uh, all uh, that. Yeah. So yeah, I would never spend money on packs, and no- normally I wouldn't on the DLC. But it was one of those situations where I thought, okay, yeah, it's uh, f- for our own experience to be able to play with the players we want to play with and get the most out of the experience and the you know the, the five or six hours we're going to be playing this overnight and in between some other stuff and going out to uh, to a wrestling show actually uh, is uh, you know it, it's one of those things I did in that situation, but in the normal sense, yeah, I'd, I'd be right with you and wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, it, it, so I had to had to kind of go against my principles on that one. I'll say again, I think the two best my the, the best my team ever for NBA two K fifteen uh, with for NBA two K was NBA two K fifteen. Yeah, which I missed the out whole on, system, unfortunately. The, yeah, the whole and you love that game. You you played it recently and you were like, Jesus, this is a pretty good game. Yeah, um, which I spent more uh, time. Yeah, the my team was awesome for that game. The structure of it, the unlocking players, the player choices, all of it, the way the players were done. And then I'd say for um, for NBA Live, probably Live 16. Um, but those those for, you know for each respective franchise, those are probably my two favorites. No, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, I, I wish I spent. I was actually playing Live 15 Ultimate Team, so I kind of missed out on the 16 and the 15 as the as the case went. It's uh, strange how that happened, but uh, it, it's something that I've I don't love about playgrounds or at least i feel it could be done better as far as the grinding and the the pack opening less uh getting the duplicates and and like you say you understand where they're coming from it's like the whole got next in the playground in uh in in 2k online is that you can that you're lining up along the court for got next and yes it's just like going down to your local park and, and lining up for you know who's got next but in essence it is replicating the most frustrating part of any activity which is waiting in line just like getting duplicates in a collect card collecting pack when you've still got so many cards to collect is frustrating, and it's it is a, it is done by design to for longevity for the game and also for the microtransactions. The other thing I don't like is when they added the court editor that the all the court items are in the packs they're in different packs that are bought with the golden bucks, which are the premium currency. It's their version of VC in uh, in NBA 2K Playgrounds 2, and there are no when you unlock the court editor you've got no extra assets at all it's not just a case of unlocking some premium items through those packs you have got nothing to do until you get anything else from those packs so it was absolutely pointless i've never been able to customize a court i think that was the dumbest thing they did uh and, and certainly it was a very greedy move it was a very 2k move and it's one of those things where i've i, I again I, I feared when 2k got 
involved with with Saber, and when they when they teamed up with Saber for that, I knew it was going to be great as far as getting MJ in the game and Kobe in the game, Kareem in the game, and, and expanding the historical rosters of, of players in NBA 2K Playgrounds 2. But I knew that it was also going to result in microtransactions and little shady shit like that. And I was right, and I, I really hate being right about that. Yeah, you had a feeling, right? I mean, you talked to me about that. I think we talked about that. I wrote an article time. about it. I said, yeah, putting the 2K uh, 2K Playgrounds too, and, and they did, but for better and worse. I'm actually not a fan of the um, – one of the things art-wise is I understand it's called Playground, so every team's like playing outside and whatnot. I, I'm not – well, not every team. Because I think that they also have an indoor set, if I, if for I remember For correctly. season mode, is indoor, yeah. Yeah, for season, they could have done a better job as far as making the courts more unique um, and making that give the game pop more in that regard. Um, I think it's a little stale. Like I said, I like the graphics on the jerseys and stuff like that. I just think overall, and, and the players, I just think overall the appeal of the courts that are in the game is just, and the accuracy of them. Like, let's put it this way. If you put NBA Jam for PlayStation 3 side by side, with Playgrounds 2, NBA Jam pops way more because of mm. the atmosphere, right? Um, I also think that one thing that could have been could be helpful for NBA Playgrounds is... Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Well, Can't believe the, it. I mean, if, if, they, if, they're done, uh, if they're done real venues as well, kind of like what NBA oh, Live has done. Sorry, camera news. Sorry, it would be nice. I know we're in 2020. We're talking about like an arcade game and whatnot. Um, it would be cool to have maybe a couple choices for completely different camera views on mm-hmm. on playgrounds. Just my opinion. I think it'd be something that would be neat. Something for Josh and Dave if they listen if they're listening this week. Um, they have so much content and historical content like already in the game. I think it would be cool for them to have it something just a future idea or whatever where. Um, you know, maybe they have a mode that you complete, or maybe if you complete a season or something like that, um, it uh, unlocks like a harder difficulty. Remember how that was in the old games? Um, yeah. How like if you if you it, this is a completely side note. I don't know what this is just something I just thought of, but you know how like if you beat um, a certain game, I think it was I think Contra was one of them. If you beat Contra and you play it again like right after and let it resume it gives you like an extra difficulty they, they do have uh, they've got story mode plus for story mode in in Bossable classics but is it for unlock is, is that something you unlock it is yeah yeah oh okay so they already have that yeah the other thing that i was going to bring up so thank you yeah if the other thing i was going to bring up that they could do is unlocking like usa or all-star teams for completing a mode or a season or a challenge or something like that just a the well, you know, that, that's something else I liked about the NBA NBA Jam Tournament Edition back in the day when I beat all the teams in, in tournament mode. You, you beat all the teams and you unlock the expanded rosters for the all the NBA teams. The, the rookies turns to the All-Stars. The uh, There's the weird scream when you select the rookies of the All-Star team, which, uh, again, I asked him about and he didn't remember. It was quite funny to uh, bring that up with him when we uh, interviewed him in episode uh, 280, or when I chatted to him, rather. Um, yeah, and when you actually go and play with those new rosters and then you see that the uh, secret players are showing up and they're unlocked you can enter codes to play with the secret players yourself um including creator mark tamel and uh and other will smith the fresh prince and, and other such uh secret characters in the original nba jam games but when you completed the tournament and then you're playing it again and it's playing random teams and it's placing 
the different secret players on those teams. And it was such a surprise that you did it. Things like that, I, you know, finding a new game plus and, and things that happen beyond the end of the game when you continue on is, is a very old school thing. And it's always cool to see it in, in current games. And that is something, again, that uh, I think they could be doing in playgrounds. And on that note, season mode, I think, is okay. And you can play through it, as, as you've noted before many times, because it's not too long, which is a good way of doing it. The uh, the first game, Playgrounds, the tournament modes were kind of cheap. They were very... Uh, that, that, because the AI had its limitations and it, it was just ridiculous. Uh, it was Jambot level ridiculous um, sometimes and frustrating. Uh, the, the tournaments were very short, four games, and I think there was originally... How many locations? Five or six locations. So it, it was really over very quickly. And they added a few more for free. They added some more in the Hot and Frosty DLC which they released with some of the new rookies as well around uh, late uh, 2017. They did that, I believe. Yeah, because Lonzo Ball was one of the the rookies, so it would have been 17, 18. Um, so th- they've done things like that. But it, it feels like the modes just aren't as engaging. And it's, and it's funny because I go back and look at those original Jam games and I, I somehow they're more simple and yet I, I find the modes more appealing. But then with what On Fire Edition did with the road trip, and how it combined the classic campaign and the remix tour from uh, NBA Jam 2010, the 2010 reboot, uh, I think they've created the most deep, the deepest, uh, most engaging mode with the boss battles and everything, and they kind of mixed those two things together. They On Fire Edition has just got this definitive arcade campaign mode, and it really makes you look at Playgrounds and it feels very simple in, in um, and repetitive to me. It is. No, it is. It, it is. It's... I, I don't think Playgrounds has the staying power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it's going to be... I think that it's going to be a game that people forget about. It's hard to forget about NBA Jam. You know what I mean? I, I don't think... I think that NBA Playgrounds needs to do a little bit more as far as being, um, you know, revolutionary or, you know, something that makes them stand out and something that, you know, people want to promote, you know, in the height of social media. You know, what yeah. are, you know, are people going to want to promote this game um, and show off this game and talk highly about this game? I think um, it, it's crazy to me that, you know, we're in 2020 now. Playgrounds 2 obviously came out a little bit ago, um, but not too long ago. Two years. And, yeah. yeah, and we still can't fully capture the, the appropriate arcade experience um, or get a game that really, truly holds up to some of the classics. It's... If I feel if that because yeah people don't talk about it. I mentioned the official Facebook group, and I know you're not on Facebook these days, and that's certainly not a bad idea. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, the Facebook group it was it was always bustling, and, the, and people were very enthusiastic about it to the point where they were shutting down constructive criticism, which may also be why people stopped posting in there. To be to be honest, in fact, I even wrote in the Monday Tip of article. It's okay to constructively criticize NBA playgrounds. I think the game needs that so it can grow. And I don't think the game grew as much as it needed to. I think the hype has died down very quickly on it. I mean, again, that people were still playing NBA Jam because it was getting updates on Fire Edition a couple of years after it came out. Uh, the original games are still classic. People were playing them for years as well. Even when uh, Midway was making Hang Time, people were still going back to the original Jam. People still love playing that jam, the original game you know, because it holds up so well. It's. Uh, I, I don't think, as you say, Playgrounds has that staying power. It doesn't have the depth of its modes. The gameplay isn't quite as good as it needs to be it's it is a shame that it has lost that that hype so quickly because it's again it, i don't i don't want to say it is a terrible game because it is it is far from that it is quite competent and solid it's 
I don't think it's surpassed any jam or street game. Uh, hang time. Well, actually, I won't say any jam game because the ones that are claim made, like NBA Jam 99, which I talked about last week, it is definitely better than that. Don't get me wrong. It is way better than some of the acclaim jams after they got the name and Midway was doing NBA hoops and hang time and everything. But as, as the, I'm talking about the classic jam and street games. It hasn't been able to surpass any of those, um, and, and which only highlights why it's a shame that we don't have the street and, uh, and, um, and jam games still being made. Because I think that there really is a gap in the market. In fact, as with live trying to rebuild, it would be a way for EA basketball to really still be relevant to have a street and a jam coming out every couple of years. And it, we've talked about that before. Why? How? What a uh, it's seemingly uh, no-brainer that is, and yet it's not something they're doing. But it, it is a shame that Playgrounds being the only arcade game in the last ten years, really, certainly the last uh, seven or eight, to come out is uh, that it's that's not really. That has become irrelevant. Irrelevance is harsh, but it, it has lost relevance certainly as quickly as it has. And I think it, it's some of it is what we've talked about: the gameplay, the game modes, but also that overall vibe. And that kind of brings us to the what one of the major things I think is the whole presentation. I mean, when it, when the first game launched, it didn't have an onboard on-screen um, scoreboard. You had to see, you had to glance the scoreboard in the background, which is an interesting stylistic choice. But people kind of want to see some kind of uh, HUD, some some heads-up display, some kind of scoreboard in the game. Uh, so they they did that in a patch, and Playgrounds Two has had it. But well, the elephant in the room is the commentary, isn't it? And the bottom line is that Iron Eagle is not Tim Kitzrow, and Tim Kitzrow is the voice of arcade basketball, and nobody has done it better. And you know, it's it's hard to compare yeah. to a legend. Yeah, yeah it's hard to. I want to point out, my brother and I don't hate the commentary um, from Iron Eagle. Um, we think, also, we want to believe that Iron Eagle is also the voice of NBA Shootout 2004. I want to go back, or, or one of those older games for PlayStation 2. Um, I want to confirm that, because my brother and I were listening, and the person who was commentating on the game we were playing um, sounded exactly like Iron Eagle. Probably um, so was. He's, to... he's been doing... Um... Isn't he the voice of the Knicks, or he was the voice of the Nets at one point? I mean, he's been around for a while. Yeah, he's, so he was doing some of the Sim games um, yeah. from the early 2000s. I think he does a pretty good job. Um, I think the um, I think one of the problems with the commentary is that it seems repetitive. Mm. Um, it doesn't have character. It doesn't have the same kind it's, of... It has some, but the it's... it's um, it's hard to explain. It doesn't, like, get you excited. You know what I mean? It doesn't... It's not... I don't think it's very good for an arcade game. Most of the, that's, that's, most of the character... It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, I just it's want solid, to point that yeah. out. Like, we, it doesn't bother me. Like, it, my brother and I play, and we're not like, we want to turn this off. It's not like listening to Chris Webber in real life. Like, we don't want to shut <laughs> him off. Um, or Reggie Miller or Doris Burke. They drive us nuts. Um, but... He, he does a good enough job, but it's not legendary. I, I think the, the, the problem with me is a lot of the character comes from them making snarky remarks about, oh, you missed the shot, oh, you're not good at the game. It's kind of like that's the only character they have is making fun of the player, as opposed to funny remarks like Tim Kitzrow has about... I mean, you look at On Fire Edition, it, was, it came out around at the time when, uh, um, when Charlie Sheen was doing his winning, duh, and uh, when you do a spin move in uh, on Fire Edition, occasionally Tim Kitzer yells out "spinning," duh. You know, just like these little pop culture references and the energy, and just little things like that that are 
and, and little quips, which are the same kind of thing that uh, Kevin Calabro, of course, did in, in real life and in the games that he's commentated as well, the, the video games. Little things like that and, and little touches, whereas most of the character, I feel, in, in NBA Playgrounds and NBA uh, 2K Playgrounds 2 is them, all the character comes from them just making fun of you, even when you haven't really done anything wrong in the game, you've just missed a shot because it's, you've got the 35% on three-pointers, and they're saying, oh, he doesn't know how to play the game, like, no, I think actually that's the mechanics are broken, kind of, thank you very much but that's, for me, it's kind of like the the only character is them making fun of you which I think should be part of it, because Tim Kitzrow also has some lines making fun of the player as well when you do something like shoot in the backcourt for no reason and I think that's really great for an arcade game, but that's the that's the that's the only kind, when it's the only kind of wit. I think that's kind of yeah. I don't know. I think, like I said, it, the the bar is set high, right? Like it is. It's like comparing yeah. comedy. It's like comparing Jason Bateman to Leslie Nielsen. Sure. Like Jason Bateman can make a few people laugh, but Leslie Nielsen's a damn legend, and he there you is. know his, his delivery. You know, his delivery and his um, charisma and, like, his um, – just his voice, his inflection, all of that stuff, um, you know, blows away Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman can't compete. So it's not that Jason Bateman is bad, just like Iron Eagle isn't. Um, no. You know, it, it's, 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 it, it's good, it's passable, but it's not legendary. And like you said, one of the biggest things is are you creating excitement with the commentary? We're talking about an arcade game where guys are spinning, you know – eight ten feet above the basket <laughs> yeah. doing somersaults into a jam it's, it's, um, it's sometimes are you going to be able to right. t- tim brought this up actually you know in comparison to you know and how he would do it and everything when i talked to him but he he mentioned that it feels like they're trying to commentate it like it's almost like a sim game where it should be this wacky kind of so, some, sometimes it's not wacky enough it's it's the vibe isn't quite there and it's not performance is so much as the perhaps the material they're given or that what they're being directed to do you know it's not so much a lack of talent although again it is a very unfair comparison uh, in that respect uh, iron eagles had two very tough uh, you know gigs as far as uh, acts, tough acts to follow he replaced uh, the legendary jim fagan on nba action which was a, the series i show what you know the recap show i love watching back in the day and i'm sure you've got memories of that too jim fagan uh, commenting uh, hosting nba action back in the day Replacing him for NBA action, and then replacing Tim Kitzrow in well, not, not replacing him, but certainly being you know the the voice of this new arcade game that came out, and when we've got so many memories of uh, of, of the Jam games with uh, with Tim doing them, it's it is, it is a tough gig, you know, a tough act to follow as far as that kind of uh, uh, replacing or, or imitating these uh, these great uh, announcers. Um, I just think they're they're a bit off with the vibe a bit with with that, and it's it's perhaps not as exciting as it needs to be. Uh, it, it is something that stands out, and it's. It's one of those things that everybody remembers. He's on fire and boom shakalaka and everything else from NBA Jam. And I can't think of a single line from any of the Playgrounds games that... And yes, I know it's a, it's a, it's a high bar, but I can't think of anything that's memorable in its own right, let alone compared to Jam. That's that's my problem. Well, I want to bring up something about the commentary, too, as far as like what NBA Jam is and then what Playgrounds is and then what Street is. So Playgrounds is street ball, right? Yeah. For the most part, it's 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 that's why it's called playgrounds. And you know, look at the venues and and whatnot. And then look at NBA Street. When 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 we were growing up, and you know, we, we watched the old and one videos and and Rucker Park videos. Street got this right. Remember how Street is? It's like an uh, um, like on the side of the court commentator, and they're like they're, they're like talking about the action, and 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 it's you probably remember those old and one videos where a guy has like a mic on the side of the court and he's like saying, Oh, look at that. And then like, he's like talking about the action. That was exciting. Oh yeah. Like 
Yeah. And that's kind of how street kind of approached their commentary. And if I think playgrounds may, because of the dynamic of the game and the way it's made up of, maybe that was the approach they should have taken. You know what I mean? I think so. Like a guy on, on a mic, um, on the side being a hype man. That's what I was trying to think of hype man. Like, Going that route with the commentary, having a hype man on the side of the court and having the, the different inflection with that and that type of approach, like we, um, you know, as opposed to what you said, which I think brings down the commentary a bit, calling it almost like a sim game. Yeah. And that's kind of how Ian Eagle is commenting on the game, like how he's doing his commentaries. He's almost comment, doing commentary like it's a sim game. So I think they could have taken a, a note out of street and out of those old N1 videos and whatnot, and had more of a hype man if they were going to go that way. I think that's a good way of putting it, it that it is more, you see what uh, what Bob Elliott did with the first street as well, where he played uh, Joe the Show, Jackson, and he had his character there. I, and, I yeah. haven't played that game in so long. I haven't played that game in a while, the, the original street. So uh, it was it was so. Bob Elliott who was also at the time the color commentator on, on live, up until Live 2003, um, him and uh, the late Don Poyer doing the, the play-by-play but he they, they tapped him to do the as the host of uh, uh of the first nba street and he was joe the show jackson he was playing a character and he's out there on the court and he's got the the purple suit and he's got the, the megaphone out there and he's, he's hosting the tournament and also but acting as that hype man role in his commentator in his commentary i sh- should say so i th- yeah i think that would have, would have been a, a great way to go for it and it's uh it's something different and, and and wouldn't perhaps invite some of those comparisons to uh to, to jam yeah, I think it would have made it more unique. It would have been something that they could have, you know, built off of too, and it could have been a staple to the series. Maybe we get somebody else in the arcade basketball space or the street basketball space that does something like that. Um, but that was that. That is one of the things I will agree with you on. No, it's not horrible. It, it's passable commentary, but they did it a little bit too sim, and it's missing those catchphrases. It's one of those, those weird things where they have to do their own thing but also have the staples to do it and I, I guess i guess that also goes for nba live as far as what they're trying to do to compete with 2k as well to, to do your own thing and have your own identity which playground sort of does but perhaps not to the extent it should uh but also it, it, it needed to do more of its own thing in some ways but more of what jam did in other ways i feel i, I think it kind of tried to rewrite change up the tropes kind of in some ways that it really should have just stuck to the formula and in other ways it could have done more of its its own thing as well um you don't want to be known for jay williams nba live you don't want to be known for that <laughs> no not at all it's not at all it's um yeah that's the less said about that the better it's that that was such a bad move as well and it, it's something that needs Jeez. to correct yeah uh, it's uh when, when you go from the a team of, of espn nba on espn and nba on abc to the uh Calling them the D team, it seems very uh, um, kind. Yeah, that that was ridiculous. And it's commentary. I mean, it's all part of the presentation, all part of the atmosphere. That and, and certainly with an arcade game, you are supposed to be going for that feel. With all that being said, Playgrounds is not both games. They've got their drawbacks, depth, certain things with the gameplay mechanics, presentation, whatever. But it's nothing that's unsalvageable. It's nothing that's horrible. They are. Quite solid games. They can be very fun to play. Playground, 2K Playgrounds 2 is an improvement in, in many ways. It's uh, 
perhaps not as big of an improvement as I was hoping for in some of those areas, but it is still a better game. It's the only game that's available because, as you noted, uh, Playgrounds is no longer available on any digital platform, the original one. I imagine that was a licensing issue. But it doesn't have the same relevance. It's not The hype is gone. People are not talking about it the same way they talk about Jam for so many years. Uh, there there's, seems to be no plans for any future ones. Uh, Saber Interactive are currently working on a, an, another arcade-oriented uh, WWE game um, because uh, 2K has uh, cancelled WWE 2K21, not NBA 2K21. Uh, just not to make sure I'm not spreading wrong rumours there. WWE 2K21 is not coming out. They're taking a year off after a very rough 2K20 there. Um, in the meantime, Saber Interactive is developing uh, a, an arcade-style uh kind of in the vein of uh, WWE All-Stars that came out a few years back. It, so it doesn't look like they're actually going to be producing uh, another Playgrounds anytime soon. And, and it's kind of a shame because there is still potential in the series. And with no other arcade games in the space, we're kind of left with these decent, pretty good, but perhaps could be a lot better games uh, and and some untapped potential, I feel. It, it's a shame that we're not getting these arcade games, especially when the only two that have come out. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're definitely that the series has been orphaned or dead, whatever. But it, it's definitely in limbo at the moment, or, or at least so it seems. And it's, it's a shame. Uh, I don't think a new arcade game has to come out every year, but they're not even pushing any new content through for it. They're just doing occasional patches and server maintenance, which is nice. Uh, but they're not really doing anything else with that property. And it's kind of like they got 2K involved. They've got the microtransactions and everything. And it really just... I, I think they've killed some of the hype, unfortunately. There's two things I want to bring up really quick. One, that new WWE game that, that Saber Interactive is putting out. Um, I looked at the comments on the videos for on Twitter that they posted, and people think it looks ridiculous. Yeah, I just want to point that out. Like, the, the common feedback is that people are not excited for that. I, I'm not either. Um, it's, it's a game that I, I was looking to skip 2K20, ended up getting it out of collector's habit, I guess. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting that spinoff. It, it doesn't look I want to point something out. I want to point something out. You're, you're a wrestling fan. I'm not. But WWE, wrestling is all about, as it is, it's zany, right? It's cartoonish, yeah, it's very much so. Yeah, and in, in, in real life, it's, you know, we've talked about it, you know, it's scripted. We, we already know that. It's, Wait, it's, wrestling it's is zany. fake? <laughs> it's, <laughs> in the 90s, you'd have the majority of people still saying it's real and fighting with you about it, wrestling-wise. Um so that's definitely um, it's that's changed now. It's like out there, like oh, it's scripted. Um, well, it's, wrestling... it's been an open secret since at least well, actually since the nineteenth century. But even since the eighties, it was kind of an open secret that the but I, people didn't care as much that it was a work. Yeah, true. I, I just remember my friends in school talking about it, and some of them fighting with me about it. They're like, "What do you? It's real, blah blah blah," and they try to prove it and all this stuff. Um, but, I mean, there are, there are certainly real elements as far as the real risk of injury, but yeah, as far as the results, it, it is not UFC. It is it is a work, <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, wrestling is 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 zany in itself. This isn't like baseball, right? No, where no. you. Can, games like um the what's that mlb game that came out that's arcadey uh so uh, no no it's it's on steam it's uh i see it every time i go into the store 
Um, anyway, it's all like baseball where you can make it crazy and zany, and it makes sense that you're doing an arcade version. WWE shouldn't have like a NBA Jam type spinoff. That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so you can, uh, you can do it, but it's it's got to do it in such a special way, a very specific way. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But you know, the other point that I wanted to bring up. And I think you can understand where I'm coming from. I don't think arcade games are as popular in general as they were. And part of it is because of connectivity now. Local play isn't what it used to be. Um, People want to be able to go online, build their characters. You know what I mean? Accumulate stats, be part of rankings, stuff like that. I think that you could make an amazing game, arcade game now, uh, and even have like those online connectivity modes. But it's not even going to get close to the attention that it got, you know, back in the 90s or in the early 2000s. That is true. It's not – it doesn't resonate, I think, with the current demographic as much. Uh, By the way, is it Super Mega Baseball? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I can see see it. It's it's very arcadey. Yeah, I can see it. it, 64 64 Australian dollars. I'm not paying that for an arcade game. No, but if you look at the reviews and look what people are saying about it, um, people absolutely love it and they play it. And, and that's because, again, you can turn baseball into that because baseball can be looked at as kind of dull by default. Um, Sim- so, similar to games I've played, Rocket League and Wreckfest. I don't know that the baseball games are that similar to those, even an arcade one. Okay, but yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> there's, there's some things that don't translate as well to that arcade genre. B- uh, basketball really has. And there's a lot of people who, back in the 90s, probably didn't... I mean, as popular as, as basketball has been from the, the Jordan era, the Jordan Bird Magic era onwards, and, and the games reflected that as well. As popular as basketball was, not everyone was into it, or certainly not into it at the point where they would care about the sim style and realism and everything. Um, so, But NBA Jam catered to that casual audience that was like, oh, well, this is a fun representation of basketball. We can get into this. We don't need to worry about play calling and fouls and, and anything more than you know, goaltending and, and shot clock violations. It's, a, it's some sports, some things do lend themselves well to that arcade approach. Uh, again, like you say, wrestling is already zany as it is. It, it's kind of funny, actually, that wrestling games <laughs> treat the, treat it as a real sport in some respects and in, in not, they also, also reference there being storylines. It's kind of this weird mix. But again, the arcade the arcade wrestling games have never really been as, as popular or successful as the, uh, for lack of a better word, sim-oriented, you know, the more realistic representation of the over of, of the top world that is professional wrestling but yeah it, it's some things don't lend themselves well to it uh as as others that game is definitely getting panned um with that being said though i think people would still see the people talking about loving jam or loving street or, or even enjoying playgrounds playgrounds 2 so I, I think the market is there maybe not to the same extent and certainly not to the same extent as, as a 2k nba 2k the uh, main series but uh it, it is a shame that it, that it has kind of... Because people were excited. People were excited that this is going to be the new NBA Jam. This is going to be a new thing. We haven't seen one of these games in when it came out in about five or six years. Um, and then it, it's just the way it's really tanked. Some some of that is, I think, on the decisions they've made. They could have made the, uh, you know, the, the overall quality, but the quality of the game and some of the directions, the, uh, the choices they've made. But I, I feel like the game could still be successful. If nothing else, I, st- I think pushing through new content for 2K Playgrounds 2, at least for a little bit longer. If they, if they were doing more of that, the game would be more relevant as well, because that's the other th- big thing these days, is it not, is the, the live content, the content updates for games. And lack of promotion. 
Yeah. I'll say again, you know, with 2K, with their main main series, they have so many influencers and so many people pushing the game, um, and they're constantly on social media, and they're engaging, and the developers are engaging and stuff like that. There's something to be said about that, you know. Um, they're basically, be, they have hype men on social media and influencers constantly promoting the game. We talked about hype men earlier, but those are hype men influencers. Brand awareness. Um, we yeah, right. And, you know, you don't see that with EA Sports, NBA Live. You don't see it with NBA 2K Playgrounds 2. Um, you don't see it with a lot of other games. And I think that it's 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 mind-blowing to me that in 2020, we don't have the – in the height of social media, we don't have this happening, right? That these companies don't have – you know, they're not constantly promoting their games and putting the game in people's living rooms and, and in their minds and stuff like that. And it just blows me away. This is – this is the height of communication. This is the height of access. This is the height of getting in people's, um, you know, you know, advertising to people and stuff. And still, so many companies fail at it. It's the the implication that if if you don't care about your product, why should the consumer? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 that's why we've talked about this. We had a full episode on this for EA Sports. Um, they fall incredibly short here. Like, not only is the product bare bones often, oftentimes, um, it's missing modes, it's missing content, it's missing retro content, but at the same time, the gameplay is also missing authenticity and attention to detail, and then you also look at the fact that um, they are not hyping up their game or promoting their game, that's a huge red flag. They're basically, te- they're basically telling on, their- on themselves, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what? this isn't a number one priority for us. And you think you do expect gamers to make live a number one priority if the company itself doesn't. And so we, we can is. rip on, on running. There's certainly a lot of things to criticize him for things he said or whatever, whether or not uh, Ronnie is the best at 2k. He's not, whether he thinks the game is flawless. He may or may not. It isn't. Um, it's certainly very good, but, but flawless. No, whether or not he believes it, he certainly hypes it up as do other aspects of the of 2k social media so we did see some of that with playgrounds but it, it fell off straight away the support hasn't been there and uh, yeah again if the if it seems like the developers have kind of abandoned the game and, and not don't have the confidence in their product and not putting it out there you can say oh well they're being honest about not hyping a game that's uh, not over hyping a game but under hyping is a problem in and of itself troy dan just got his blue check mark yeah, I want to, uh, you know, he's an influencer for 2K. He, um, he made a tweet about it, and I saw that he had his blue check mark. It makes me wonder, is there a group of people that sit around, and they're, like, at a round table, and they're like, you know, this Troy Den guy, you know, he talks about NBA 2K, let's give him the blue check mark. Meanwhile, and former NBA player Cliff Robinson, Kenny Anderson, and all these uh, former NBA players can't get a blue check mark to save their life. But, yes, let's give blue check mark to Troy Den, who promotes NBA 2K. Uh, just, I always wonder how the blue check mark thing works. Apparently, like, apparently, it's, it's, what's the? Because I looked, I looked into it because I thought, you know, can the NLSC get it? And it's it's a certain amount of recognition in the press as to the point of that you have to verify that it's you. It's kind of like this weird standard, but it's funny because again, uh, players like Cliff Robinson, Kenny Anderson. Uh, NBA players who made a lot of money were on national television, internationally known, um, actual professional athletes. You would think would be newsworthy enough. It's it's kind of like almost the, uh, the the Wikipedia moderators that just want to delete anything that they don't think is worthy enough of uh, <laughs> of, of being included. And sometimes they get very uh, 
really anal about that. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah, it is funny to see influencers, uh, YouTubers and whatnot with uh, with with blue check marks and then actual uh, players who actual athletes and whatnot who yeah who were on national TV and video games and their, their faces and their names are known to uh, to a lot of people. Yeah, not getting the blue check mark. It's uh, it is weird. Blows my mind, and I don't see for the amount of content you pushed out. I mean, that should have a blue check mark, in my opinion, over Troy Dan, But that's just maybe that's me being biased. Well, that's no numbers idea. as well. Just, you know, it's yeah. it's it's a you know it's, it's the way it goes. People people can find us, I suppose. We st- we still get yeah. tagged. We still get tagged in the wrong things sometimes. And uh, yeah, or you tag the wrong D for free. You know? Yeah, yeah, didn't seem to help him out. So you know that, that's that's why I'm not getting the blue check mark. I'm not I'm not pumping up anyone else's numbers. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm, apparently, I'm not influencing anyone enough. So uh, that's funny. Do we have, do we have uh, any I controversial opinions? I mean, maybe we need to be more controversial. So, I mean, I thought my Jay Williams take was controversial, but then I realized that most everybody hates him, anyways. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> preaching to the choir, sir. Yeah, basically. No, I think um, I, I hope we do get more comments on the show. Um, you know, on a, on a serious note, I do hope that we get more viewership and more comments because um, I think we're putting out a pretty good show every week. So. I mean, I'm biased. I like to think it too. It's certainly fun to get on here. But uh, as as you know, wrapping it up, as as far as playgrounds goes, it would be nice to see another game come out. I'd like to see them continue to build on what they've been able to develop. It, it would be nice if some of the positive resources, if Two K could have more of a positive influence as well, as far as having more resources into it. Uh, it is a shame that I think that the some of their biggest. <laughs> Well, again, getting MJ, Kobe, and Kareem into the game is nothing to sneeze at, because this is the first time that Michael Jordan has officially been in a wide, widely distributed arcade game. You know that, so that like this, so that, that's a big deal. Wait, wait a sec. No, no that, that's that's wrong. He was in NBA Street. Um, uh, it's it's first. Well, certainly the first time he's going to be in more of an NBA Jam style of game, I suppose. Um, it, it's very rare. Yeah, he he was in the first two NBA Streets, and then not in the third. So I need to correct myself on that. So if you're rushing to the comments, I correct myself on that. But he certainly has not been. He's, he's been in more sim games. Re- post this is why you don't have a blue check. This is why you don't have a blue check. Yeah, no, yeah. I need to verify everything. So how can I be verified <laughs> when nothing I say is verifiable? Obviously, uh, but I mean that, that is big. Getting those them in the game, and and being able to get dedicated servers rather than peer to peer for online play, and proper matchmaking or some semblance of matchmaking anyway. Um, Matchmaking is not two K's forte at the moment. Uh, that that is big. That, that that was significant, and it's got it's got more eyes on the product, but it hasn't really translated to success. It's brought microtransactions into there, and and the fact that um, uh, the Matthew Karcher came out and was really a, kind of against DLC and and or spoke out and said, "Oh, we don't want to put DLC and such in there," but then it ended up going in the game. I think that's eroded some of the trust in the brand. That happened in the first game as well when they when they did the hot and frosty DLC and the roster unlock. But in their defense, people were asking for Rust to unlock DLC to speed up the process, so they were actually they were actually answering a, uh, a request on that one. So that's not that's not all on 2K. But I, th- I think they've picked up some of those things that have eroded some goodwill of a series that was building excitement. And unfortunately, they really it was too early for them to really push hard on that to really go full 2K on that. And it, it is a shame because I think there is still potential in those games. Uh, there's even potential to keep upgrading the the second one or updating it with new content. And they've it, it's been pushed aside in uh, in favor of the new WWE game, obviously, and other projects. Um, and, and again, Saber Interactive is not a, a, not huge, although they have worked on some pretty significant games in the past. Uh, I, and 
the first playgrounds I think sold at least half a million to between half a million and a million copies. So it's it outsold NBA Live. So you know it's it's not <laughs> it, it's it's not an obscure game at all. I think it, it's got enough. Uh, it's prominent enough to I think to have a bit more put into it. And I think there is potential in that series in that brand. Uh, I think there are things they need to do to make it as good as it needs to be. And there are ways the two games that have come out how they've fallen short. But that being said, they are still very solid games in their own right. And in lieu of an NBA Jam, and I would love to see a new NBA Jam and NBA Street come out, but in lieu of that, all we have is NBA Playgrounds. I'd love to get squeeze a little bit more out of that uh, out of that series and out of that brand. It's very disappointing that EA Sports has basically forgotten about basketball. Yeah. You know, in general. I mean, I can't put it any plainer than that. Um, the, they've, the fact that they've dropped arcade basketball that they've they're not recognizing it they're not talking about the rich history of it the fact that they're not putting as much stock as they should um and canceling still their nba titles and stuff like that when basketball is the most global it's ever been it's just it's mind-boggling and it's a huge mistake and they're it just it it, every year it blows me away it i've said it before and maybe it's something we can touch on in in future shows as well It, it feels like we should be in a golden age of basketball gaming with everything that can be done with online connectivity with the tech that we have these days with the availability of digital distribution platforms for games that you you don't have to worry about printing discs anymore that people will pay for they'll buy games digitally and everything and there's so many platforms to get them on and you've got platforms like the switch where you can even have the both the in in game in in home gaming and also on the go gaming as well that that would be really great for arcade games and basketball games in general that we that, that we do have basically one game coming out every year that for as good as 2K is that it does have those issues uh, with whether it just goodwill with microtransactions and whatnot uh, we really should be in a golden age and and yet we're not we've, we've got more power than ever we've got all this ability to, to license retro players and all kinds of things we never could have that we only could dream of back in the day and yet we're not quite where we need to be and there's there's a lot that goes into it which would again perhaps make a an interesting uh, topic at some point but uh yeah, it, it, imagine if we did have not just the two strong sim titles, but also some arcade titles to to pick from. And it's oh, I know. We, we, again, we've got basketball classics, which has been a, a breath of fresh air as well. But uh, just to have all these basketball games like we used to have uh, that we that we talked about last week again and so many times, it's uh, it, it's unfortunate that we, that we do that we're not yeah. in that golden age. And it's not just basketball gaming either. It's the same, like, you know, the NFL product. Um, and yep. the, uh, you know, the soccer project product, which a lot of people still complain about it, the tennis, it's, um, you, we feel like we should be in the golden age, um, of options, um, and of less frustration because of all the new technology and all of that stuff. But as we've talked about before, um, newer doesn't always mean better. So. Certainly there are more, there are more factors than just the technology available and that, it, that it's, it comes down to, to design philosophy and things like that. So it's, uh, it's we, we can but hope for the best, but it's, you know, we, we also have our own responsibility here as, as long as people are willing to pay for, for it. And again, I'm, I'm as guilty of paying for some, uh, for engaging in microtransactions or DLC myself when I've felt the need to, when, I, when, it's, when I've given in to frustration or, or, uh, or impatience. It, I, I've fallen victim to it as well. I've been part of the problem, and it's, uh, or, or even just pre-ordering the game every year. You know, it's it's one of those things that we 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 complain about the industry, and yet we participated in it as well. And it, but but it's also very hard to change that culture uh, on a mass scale, especially with 
eight to ten million people buying two K every year. Uh, Jim Sterling has said it before: boycotts uh, are usually nice ideas in theory, but never really pan out in in the gaming space. Well, the other thing too is, um, as a consumer, um, whether we're a consumer or not, we have a right to complain about actual thoughts in a game or our negative impacts oh, on yeah. our experience yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I think that you know we are limited option wise, and we still want want the new games there's no shame in buying those games i think where there's shame is if you're buying those games and just screaming at a wall you know what i mean i think that when your when your feedback if you're going to buy those games and you have issues major issues with those games i think what you need to do in order to not feel ashamed about it or anything like that is to you know still reach out and and put that feedback out there whether it be on twitter directly to them uh, facebook or the nlsc or well you have a podcast you talk about it on where you know you have listeners you know what i mean i think that when it's when you stay silent you keep purchasing the games and you stay silent you you let yourself get frustrated and you don't vent it out and and you know try to you know talk about the issues and and whatnot i think that's when you can feel you can start really feeling bad about it and, and also being if you're an apologist about it if you're basically acting as a as a hype man for the games and, and not and especially if you're a, an influencer or a a journalist, if, if you are reviewing the games and if, uh, if you're contributing, your, if your score contributes to Metacritic and whatnot, if, if you're not being honest with your public because it's going to, uh, you're going to lose perks or, or whatever, and, and that's leading you to be less than honest and to sugarcoat things or to be an apologist for things, uh, that is a big problem. That is perhaps something we can also touch on in uh, future shows. I know we've mentioned it before, but uh, I think the worst thing an influencer can do is to be dishonest about the game. Um, well, they could also be a bigot or something as well, but as far as simply being there for the gamer in their content, if if they were if they're misrepresenting the game, if they're misrepresenting the fan base, if if they are put, putting out uh, content that is not honest, if they're not being honest about games, if they're not passing along constructive feedback of their own or what else they see, and if they're if, if they're just hyping the game if they're, if they're shilling the game that that's yeah it's really doing the community a disservice and it is something that uh that bothers me and it, it bothers me because doing that gets them all kinds of perks that uh people who are who, who commit the crime of being honest uh, even if they're very uh polite about that honesty uh miss out on because because uh once you get in a position with the perhaps 2k is in it now that uh that you don't have the competition that you do have that position of power in the uh, in the demographic in the gaming space, that you can really pick and choose who you give a a tag to, and you've really got to kind of uh, you know not be very careful about not biting the hand that feeds you to to get these perks, and uh, it it leads to some dishonesty. And uh, yeah, I mean that's a topic for another time, but it's it's a shame because when the games have so much potential, but they do have these issues, if we can point them out, they could be even better. But when we when we just uh, when we just take it, when we, when we don't speak up speak up about these issues. It uh, we do ourselves no favors, and yes, we can blame the developers and the suits and everything and the the industry and everything else. But when we just let it happen, like anything, I suppose uh, we're complicit, and that that is a uh, that is a problem. And we see that on all platforms, not just from influencers, um, people being apologists, or uh, even if there's no reward, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if reward in place, you see it on Operation Sports all the time, um, and on Twitter where people will just you know 
gloss over real issues or they'll stand up for a game or say something's not an issue, which is an absolute issue, um, or nobody plays that mode anyway, you know, stuff like that. And unfortunately, it's on all platforms. And like you said, um, as far as influencers go, um, in my opinion, they're basically bribed to not bring up those issues, you know, when they get those gifts. And when they get that attention and all of that stuff and they get those perks and um, it's it's promoting your game um, under um, um, kind of sketchy circumstances, in my opinion. So it, It's a shame integrity doesn't always pay the bills, I suppose. Exactly. Yep, I agree with that. But uh, so. that is a topic for another time. I, I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into uh, NBA Playgrounds, the series. Uh, series, again, that I do think has still has potential and we'll see where it goes from here. I do too. I think that the the items I mentioned um, would re- would greatly you know help the game. The items you mentioned, you know the the fix in turbo, the fix in dribbling, you know, like functionality in the dribbling, um, Deep the, modes. The, the deeper modes, the opening up the shot meter um, window, uh, the dunk meter window. Yeah. Yeah. Tweaking mechanics, make the graphics pop a little bit more, um, stuff like that. I think that they, they definitely have, and I, I say this all the time, and my brother makes fun of me for it, it, it I always say good bones. They, you know, the game has good bones. It has, it has structure in place that they can work with, similar to how NBA Live 10 had good bones. So, yes, yeah, um, a solid foundation, so, a, stol- a solid framework, but, if you will. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's something they can build off of. Um, so hopefully if they decide to release another NBA Playgrounds that they build off of what they already have. What would you call it? Because I, I, I think you need to call it uh, NBA Playgrounds 3 or NBA Playgrounds 2K whatever. I, I think I think the uh, you need a title that's not as awkward. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be NBA 2K Playgrounds 3. Yeah. It makes sense. It's not as awkward as NBA 2K Playgrounds 2. Because you're not repeating the uh, that, yeah. But uh, we shall see. We shall definitely cover that game if it comes out, and we will give our impressions of it. And uh, who knows, we might come back to NBA Playgrounds, NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 at, uh, at some point with uh, further impressions, or if something happens in, the, uh, in that space, we will definitely uh, cover that news and uh, give you our thoughts upon it. But uh, with that being the uh, end of the show, we will turn the... Uh, the comments over to you, what you thought about uh, NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 and our discussion of it, our thoughts. Uh, do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, do you want to see NBA Jam come back? Do you want to see Street come back? Do you want to see uh, something else uh, altogether? Do you want to see uh, NBA Give and Go come back from uh, from Konami? I believe that one was back in the day. Oh, or another game altogether. Do you want to see NBA Starting 5 2005? You know, a remake of that with the current rosters. Uh, let us know what you uh, think of today's topics, uh, this week's topics, and uh, our thoughts on them. So before I promote everything about the uh, the show, D, uh, where can we find you on uh, socials and everything else that you're doing right now? Um, at, on Twitter at D for three eighty four, um, YouTube D for free. Um, over on the NLSC, I'm a contributor over there, um, D for free, and then also um, I'm on the NLVC, um, and I think we may have a show coming up uh, of our own, a podcast, maybe in a week or so, um, and that's pretty much it. Excellent. So stay tuned for that. You will find that them on uh, Twitter as well. The uh, NLSC is on Twitter at the NLSC and also the NLSC on Facebook. I am Andrew NLSC on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me for my various takes on things, including Bart versus the Space Mutants, because I haven't mentioned that this week. Um, <laughs> always have to get that plug in there. On, on Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. On YouTube, we are NBA Live Series Center. That is Center, the uh, American spelling, E-R, not the Australian spelling of R-E, our old title, of course. 
And, of course, keep it locked to the MLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games, including the podcast and my various articles during the week. And, of course, our, our great modding community. We uh, have to shout out to the modding community every week, D. Absolutely. They're doing a lot of great things. Um, I like the activity, too, on the older games. On 2K19, 2K14, um, a couple faces were made uh, by Simon. He's been PMing me, um, DMing me or whatever um, on Twitter. Um, he's made a couple faces for the 2000, 2000, excuse me, 2001, 2002 Kings for my 2K16 roster. Um, so it's really cool to see that people are still modding those older games, and you're modding 2K11 and stuff like that. So good job. Maravich just sent me through a new face, actually, and it's uh, for, uh, for uh, Giannis's brother. And, uh, yeah, it looks awesome. He's, he's doing some excellent work, and it's very much appreciated. Shout out to him. I tried modding. I made a Drexler for NBA 2K14, um, which is similar in modding to NBA 2K11, and it is not easy to mod faces on and make them look good on 2K11 through 2K14, so props to him. I don't know how he does it and makes all the faces look so good, but I love his work. Very much a master of the craft, and uh, again, very much appreciated that he's doing that and looking forward to getting that out, uh, especially again with the, uh, with the season looking to resume in, in July at the earliest. Uh, to be able to get that out, hopefully next month will be, uh, you know, that's pretty much tomorrow, is uh, is something I'm looking forward to doing. So stay tuned for that. And, if, and of course, the rest of everything else that our modding community is doing, you can find that uh, primarily in the forum, which is uh, forums.mba-live.com. But yes, keep it locked to mba-live.com for everything we do for basketball video games. As for the NLC podcast, it comes out every Sunday. It comes out on the NLC itself, again, mba-live.com, where you can stream it if you like. You can also find us on various podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, to name a few. I think we are on more. I've submitted the RSS feed to as many places as we can get. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and any other platform that it, that supports the uh, review system for podcasts, uh, that would be very much appreciated, especially if it happens to be a positive one, because it uh, strokes how we go, doesn't it? Absolutely. I love seeing the comments and keep up the comments in the NLSC podcast section because I really like reading them. I'm, I have to jump in and talk with you guys um, about the Live King, Emoli, Sticky Fingers, all you guys who are commenting in there. It's really cool to see. So Very much appreciated. So yes, feel free to leave comments as well in the forum on the main page. I am fixing up a couple of issues with the uh, bridge, with the login across the site at the moment. So uh, stay tu- you know, please bear with me for that. Stay tuned. But uh, yes, we are looking to get that all sorted out. But we definitely want to hear from you, hear your feedback, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. Once again, comes out Sundays on those various platforms. And uh, yeah, one final time, keep it locked to the NLC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that is all for episode number 325 of the NLC podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>